New world order can emerge. A new era. A new world order. It is a big idea. A new world order. The affirmative task we have now is, uh, is to actually um, uh, create uh, uh, a new world order. After 1989, President Bush kept said, and it's a phrase that I often use myself, that we needed a new world order. And the hope that each of us has to build a new world order. The pieces are in flux. Soon they will settle again. Before they do, let us reorder this world around us. So that the problem of the Bush presidency will be the emergence of a new international order. We've got to give them a stake in creating the kind of uh, uh, world order that I think all of us would like to see. I think the new world order is emerging. And one of the ways it will drive the change is through global governance and global agreements. But in a globalized economy, we are going to have to take global responsibilities. And there going to, is going to have to be some semblance of global governance. That in fact, we're all going to have to give up a little bit of our sovereignty in order to make the world work. Already there are powerful forces at work that threaten to destroy all of our hopes and efforts to erect an enduring structure of global cooperation. Are you optimistic a global system can happen? It, from what it, we've heard so far. It, it, it could happen, and in fact it's in the work. And for the international order that we have worked for generations to build. It will be to add value. It will be part of the Young Leaders yes, Initiative. This is Merkel, Tony Blair, um, say we're all, even uh, President Putin, say we're all young global leaders before. Um, and, it's, and, you, and you pick the people that run those agencies and the deputies, they're pledging allegiance to the new world order. To bring China into the creation of a new... Uh, uh, uh. But this global pandemic has also created an opportunity to build back better. Building back better, this pandemic has provided an opportunity for a reset. This is our chance to accelerate our pre-pandemic efforts. Now we have to accelerate because we are living the first consequences of basically climate disorders. It's time to rush, and President Biden is 100% right to do so. Last week, I shared the outlines of my plan to build back better. It's about building this country back better. As Europeans, we increased our targets for 2030 and 2050 a few months ago. We need India and China to be with us. With Chancellor Merkel, we had a discussion with President Xi. The Great Reset. And I think we, we, we felt the commitments of President Xi on climate to work with the US and with Europe. First, to accelerate his target of 2030. Our strongest beliefs are challenged by the rise of a yet unknown new world order. A, a new world order that China has to be part of the process of creating it. And they have to buy in. They have to own it. Really need to bring China into the creation of a new uh, um, uh, world order. Partnership and cooperation among nations is not a choice. It is the only way. Now is the time to join together 
through constant cooperation and strong institutions and shared sacrifice and a global commitment to progress to meet the challenges of the 21st century. Build it back better. We must build back better. Build back better. To build back better. To build back better. Build back better. Build back better. A unique opportunity to reset our global agenda. An unprecedented opportunity to rethink and reset the ways in which we live. Pour construire le monde post-Covid que nous souhaitons. Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Wednesday, February 23rd, 2022. Thank you for joining me today. It's going to be an important show for a few different reasons. There's so much going on right now, it's absolutely incredible, but that always, that's kind of been that, that we felt that way for quite a long time now, long before COVID, I would argue. But today specifically, I think what's interesting is that I'm, I'm going to insert a couple of quick points about Ukraine to begin. I wasn't going to. I saw some people talking in the chat about hoping that I would discuss it, but I want to make, I'm going to use just a few points to give you why I think that you don't need any more information, at least at this moment, if you've already watched what we've talked about. Not to say that we've covered everything about the topic, but it's so obvious that all that's happened since last we talked about it to now is just narrative, bluster, hype, nonsense. Doesn't mean this isn't building towards something. There's action being taken, but it's ridiculous to see how this is being driven. And and they just want you to keep taking their little tidbits at face value. But that's not the important part today. Important part is what's being missed. The larger agenda that's been ongoing, like you saw in the intro right there, from New World Order to Build Back Better to the Great Reset. I mean, this is decades of planning, documented, written in books by the very people involved, except it's called conspiracy theory, if you mention it on Twitter right now which just shows you how broken everything is and always really has been. And it's been driving in this direction for quite a long time. To start out today, we're going to talk about some very important things in regard to a new study that's finding what a lot of people have been pointing at, which is patented material inside of SARS-CoV-2, which is really interesting. And this is specifically around Moderna. Now, you might think you've heard something about this in particular, and I would argue the only person you might have heard information about what we're going to get into today would be David Martin. What a lot of people are t- thinking, they're t- what are seeing possibly today is people like Glenn Beck and plenty of others that are, what I would argue, plucking one part out of the, de- the deep research Martin was doing, waving it around like they discovered it yesterday, and misinforming people about what's really going on. So we're going to get into that and show you why what they're touching on is interesting and, and I would argue intentionally meant to be a limited hangout. By the way that they're presenting it as the people of the mainstreams of the world, the Tuckers and ben, and and uh, Glenn Beck's of the world and plenty of others of mainstream, because what they're ultimately doing, at least from the, the point, the reference I'm going to make, which is from last year, I believe, is ultimately couching an argument in something that can be dismissed. And I think that's because they know where this is actually going or they're being used in a way they don't realize. But the patented discussion about this is really interesting. Now, I know a lot of you out there will be resistant to this. Don't doesn't mean just because the study says it means that it's true. Be objective. Take it, you know, 
take what you can from it, question it, research it. But I know a lot of people will be resistant simply because of the idea of germ theory, terrain theory, and the idea that one doesn't exist within the other. And I, I don't necessarily believe that anymore. I believe that a lot of people... There's truth to all, a lot of these conversations, especially like the Dr. Coffin and people I've discussed, but I don't even, he'll admit that there's a lot of within this that we don't, even they don't understand. And I think that a lot of these different arguments may be more intertwined than we realize. So when we're talking about something like this, that's been patented, manipulated, which we know they're working on, gain of function, PEPPP research, whatever they want to call it today, is something. They're doing something. So we have to realize that they're producing ultimately something that could be dangerous if we understand this the way we think we do. So when we look at this and the study's finding patented material inside whatever this is, you know, don't be, if you're resistant to a certain kind of word, recognize that just talking about the thing that's happening today and realizing that there is patented material that they study finds almost impossible to have been naturally occurring. And I find that to be really compelling, even if it's a shift in the narrative or something, it just, it completely changes the field. Of course, it's not being discussed, and we'll get into it and let you decide for yourselves. We're also going to talk about something that I've been putting off for a while, which I think is really important, which ties to the opening clip, the progression to now and where it's going in regard to implantables. For the people, that's a very topic that's very resistant for people on the mainstream Twitter sphere discussion, where you say implantables and where, oh, it's fake news conspiracy theory, despite people like Klaus Schwab openly telling you this is the next step before we got here. And discussing the fourth industrial revolution when that would happen, which is what he's saying is happening now. It's really just a basic uh, putting the pieces together. He's saying this is going to happen during the fourth industrial revolution before we got here. Implantables. In, in, invasive kind of things he discusses in depth. Jump forward to today. He's saying this is the fourth industrial revolution. So if he said it was going to happen in this time period, and now he's saying we're there, it's kind of a no-brainer to realize that in his mind, these things are going to be happening very soon. So why would it be dismissed as outrageous conspiracy theory to even have this conversation in the context of COVID-19? Because it's such a t controlled conversation, which should tell you something. Because right now there's mainstream articles discussing how this might be the next step for COVID. But if I go on Twitter and discuss that in the possible near future for COVID, I get dismissed, deleted, censored, as you all know. It's very revealing, isn't it? Now we're going to get into that, which then just all can't be discussed without the concept of your digital identification, which is already happening in Canada, the United States, and vaccine-coordinated ways, including discussions of implantable technology that can monitor, keep track of your medical information. All of this is happening right now. But if we're screaming about Ukraine and talking about things that we can't prove and missing the real discussion or even discussing about how we won and it's all rolling back, we're missing that it's still happening and still going forward. That does not mean that we should dismiss the very clear wins and positive things about all of this. But let's not get ahead of ourselves and recognize what's really going on, hopefully. Now, to start off, like I said, just a couple of very quick points. I wasn't going to get into this. I'm going to cover Ukraine again when I get into the next show. But since somebody asked, just to give you what I think is the quick update about what may be going on, first of all, I recommend that you go and watch the last three or four shows that I've done, almost very clearly focusing on the PSYOP, the, the illusion that is this whole discussion. And there's, there's a lot of independent media out there that's talking about this from a sort of questionable way where we're questioning what they're saying, but at the same time leaning into what I think is the problem. You sure you can pick out the ones I'm discussing. The problem here is that this is obviously, obviously hype, manipulation, lies, outright, li just fabrication, whole cloth manipulation. That does not mean that the rhetoric will not lead to something or that actions already might not have already taken, have been taken. The bottom line is, 
As I've said from the beginning, what we're talking about is an openly white supremacist neo-Nazi government and military that I can prove 10,000 different ways that even the mainstream media, as of last month, is calling out and saying, Biden, why don't you care about this white supremacist government? And the leading researcher on this topic is like is saying that this is immersed in the government, the National Guard, and that they don't care. The U.S. government is well aware of that since, two, since 2014. And then you dive in further and realize that they're arming and funding and supporting and same just like everywhere else we talk about. I believe that's the building new threat they're going to use in the future. Regardless of that, they don't care. They're pretending to fight white supremacy in the United States while literally building it right over there. That is who they're supporting against Russia, whatever you think about Russia. Okay, so the point is, before this all started, the U.S. government waged drills right inside of Ukraine. They also put F-16s 200 miles off the coast of Russia on the other side. All of this was proven to you in my past shows. That's not provocation. Then Russia carries out drills inside of Russia. And since then, this has been, they're about to invade, they're about to invade. Now, maybe they are, but you know what we don't have? Any sort of evidence or proof. Moving inside of your own country is not an absolute evidence. It doesn't even indicate anything other than response, responding to what has been happening as they get encircled by U.S. bases and actions all along these areas. It's absolutely ridiculous. By saying that still does not mean that we know for sure Russia's not doing that. Make sure you hear me when I say that. But if they're not going to prove it to you, why would we take the purveyors of Russiagate for, for anything about Russia right now? They lied to you this entire time about everything Russia, and now we're supposed to take it at face value. I mean, the very people out there, let's say on the Republican side of this, in the two-party illusion, who would laugh at Russiagate, sneer, and, and, and which they should because it's ridiculous, are the ones, same, same people right now taking at face value that we're just about to go to war with Russia because why? The mainstream media told them so. But wait a minute, that's the same mainstream media that you guys all laugh about in Russiagate, but now you're taking them at their word. See, I, I, I knew I would take too long on this. <laughs> I can't not talk about this in a legitimate way. The bottom line is it went from those drills, that manipulation that they clearly poked on purpose to cause something. Russia moves up to its borders, if that even happened, right? Because I still have not seen 195,000 troops. What, 70% of the ground forces, which is what that is? That's ridiculous to me. Regardless, they were inside their own country. Now, this led all the way until now. Where all it's been is hype day after day saying days away, eminent tomorrow, 1 a.m. tomorrow, and none of it happens. Then, finally, after a lot of stuff they didn't report, which is potential assassination attempts of Ukraine, of, of Donbass region people, officials using equipment that they shouldn't be, all sorts of things. Now, could Russia be doing the same? Yes, but I haven't seen any evidence of it. Prove it to me. I am seeing on the ground people, local independent researchers, which, by the way, I'm going to talk about tomorrow, documenting with video exactly what's happening. We're not seeing that from the U.S. government. We never do. Then it led into... The independence declaration of these areas, which, by the way, if you actually look into what the Russian side is saying, which you should question just like any other side, the reality is a lot was happening to these people that they were trying to protect them from, not least of which is what? Ukrainian nationalism. The same thing that Biden and everybody else is losing their mind about in the United States of white supremacy and the nationalism and then all this stuff. So we don't care that the people over here are being forced into the same ideology that you pretend is the biggest threat in the world? Obviously not. You see how convoluted and ridiculous this is? They don't mean they don't care about any of it. The bottom line is all of this still at this moment is Russia protecting these people or rather just declaring their independence, even if that is aggressively in their benefit. Even if they plan to take that group and invade everywhere else afterward, the point is right now, none of the, what they've said has happened has happened and it's all narrative, all of it. Please watch my past shows if you'd like to hear more on that.
as of even the even the pouring of troops into the Donbass region, not Ukraine. You can call it con, uh, disputed Ukraine, but you right now couldn't just call it Ukraine because it's deceptive. That I haven't seen evidence of. All I've seen is the argument that he has in his parliament ruled that he could should they need military assistance, which is what the U.S. government does all around the world, in fact, when they don't even ask for it. So now here's what I'm seeing today in a couple of quick points. U.S. tells U.N. General Assembly Russian invasion of Ukraine could displace 5 million people. You mean the completely hypothetical invasion of a country that they haven't given any indication they want to do? It, not in, in a political sense, but right now with actual troops and movement on the ground? All we see is flailing arm movements from the U.S. government and Russia inside its own country. And all, and here, but if they do this thing that we keep saying they're going to do, they haven't done yet, this is what it could do. Why is that even something we should talk about? Is there any indication they want to do this? Russia's saying they don't want to. They're saying that that's not what's happening, that it could be lying. But why are we just running with U.S. narrative? In fact, it's Ukrainian intelligence narrative that the U.S. government is spinning because that's where it all started. And I showed you this in the last shows, taking Ukraine's word for it. No, the screen's not. The screen's fine, guys. I'm on this on purpose. I'm not. I haven't moved forward. Displacing five million people. An action that hasn't been taken that we think that we we say he's going to do that he says he's not going to do. There's no evidence of. But let's scream about that. Here's AP. Someone telling you the the war are drawing closer. What war? Like the narrative they tell you is happening is what's drawing closer. Is it? Is there evidence of that? Well, I hear the U.S. say it a lot. Could it be? Sure. Why in the world journalists would keep reporting this without any evidence? Isn't it, it shows you they're not journalists, guys. That's ridiculous. To keep day after day for three plus months straight reporting that they say it's about to happen. Intelligence says, and then getting it wrong. Next day, there it's, a, it's imminent, and then it doesn't happen. Next day, two days away, and it doesn't happen. Next day, over and over and over. These are the journalists of the world. Rebels ask Russia for help. Okay, recognize what's, being hap- what's happening here. This is today. Rebels are asking for military help. Didn't they just say that troops poured into Ukraine yesterday? (laughs) Yeah, because they were ridiculous, and they said that because that's what they were told to say. As far as I can tell, it has not happened. Doesn't mean it won't. Doesn't mean it hasn't, and I don't see proof of it. But nobody has that proof. Rebels ask Russia for military help. Now it says, the Kremlin said rebel leaders in eastern Ukraine, the Donbass region, asked Russia for help to fend off Ukrainian aggression, which is clearly happening, but you can show it on both sides. But all it comes down to is a group that wants independence, and you're talking about a white supremacist government that's trying to force them back in. Let's talk about freedom, huh? But it says the announcement that immediately fueled fears that Moscow was offering up a pretext for war, just as the West had warned about. So rebel leaders say, hey, Russia, we need your help. And that gets spun into fears that Moscow is creating a pretext for war. What's the pretext? I don't think these guys understand what they're talking about. I think they know false flag and sort of a, you know, lying to manipulate our way into war is supposed to be kind of like a foggy context. But these are people asking for assistance to step into this country, not to then roll into invading Ukraine. That might happen, but where is the connection? You know what the connection is? That the U.S. government said so. That they said Putin wants to do it. We know because Putin, bad guy. If you take that at face value, you're a moron. The people of Ukraine and the government of Ukraine want peace, says Zelensky, the president of the puppet government put in place by the U.S. government that is leading an openly white supremacist neo-Nazi military. Yeah, let's take his word at face value, right? Because he pleads, I want peace, guys, as he goes over and bombs back. Peace, please. 
hours after declaring a nationwide state of emergency. But if an attack threatens our lives, then we'll fight back. This is coming from the same government we've been discussing this entire time. This is such ridiculous theater, it makes me hurt, makes my brain hurt. That does not mean it's not going to spin out of control, guys. Just like Caitlin Johnstone said, though, think about it. If secretive intelligence agencies weren't telling us that Russia's about to invade Ukraine, with their unevidenced assertions being reported as fact by the obedient political media class, it would never occur to anyone that Russia's about to invade Ukraine. You know why? Because nothing's happened other than standing inside their own country and U.S. screaming about how that's about to be an invasion. Now, by the way, that is literally what led to the Declaration of Independence and the Russia acknowledging that. So you can't pretend that was one of these moves. That was all driven forward by all of the actions the U.S. government are taking in response to things they claim are about to happen. This is like the living embodiment of the Bethlehem Doctrine. They're taking action based on what they tell you is about to happen. Preemptive self-defense all day long for weeks, months straight. Now, that just took about... 20 minutes, which was unnecessary, but I wanted to make sure that you guys got my real impression about where we are right now before we go into the most important stuff, which was really what we should get into. Actually, this is the beginning of the section. The important stuff is this study about what's going on in the Moderna injection, or excuse me, with Moderna in regard to SARS-CoV-2. We'll get into Ukraine more tomorrow, but just show discernment. Be skeptical because all of this is complete nonsense, guys. And we, you know what we really should be asking at this point? Whether or not Russia and the United States are doing this together in order to completely distract everybody from this bungled worldwide narrative. That doesn't mean, though, that Russia and the United States governments within that kind of tacit agreement to, you know, make this kind of kick off wouldn't then still be vying for power and control and, and, her, and, and trying to make the other one look the fool and so on, right? There are larger agendas above the internal things that they sort of like our politicians know there's a larger agenda, but they'll still sabotage each other and left first, right and politics and fight and try to get more money and control and, and standing. But at the same time, when it comes down to the larger push, they know who pays signs their paychecks. That's the kind of idea we need to think about here. Cause a lot of this has been nonsense. I mean, almost all of it. Now going into this conversation to really start off the COVID-19 conversation about Moderna's patent. I want to make a couple of quick points. First of all, in regard to this next point, which was the Glenn Beck conversation, but I wanted to start with this just to kind of carry this over. Well, first of all, this I found very interesting. This is COVIDVaccineInjuries.com pointing out, I believe this is Stu Peters saying, I'm already being censored on Truth Social, which is the Trump platform. Want to know what I said? He said, quote, the people in our government responsible for allowing our kids to be killed with these dangerous COVID shots should be put in trial and executed. He says, free speech isn't free. Now, of course, people are saying, well, you're calling for violence. And well, it's not exactly what he said. I do think there's that in many people's percep perceptions, that would be crossing the line. You could just say, put them on trial and hold them accountable. Regardless, if it's free speech, it's free speech. It's not breaking the law by saying that they should be tried for treason. And then the, you know what I mean? Like you can see how that could be bent in certain ways. Bottom line is, if you're claiming to be a free speech platform, especially one like the Trump supporting now, and they censor that, I find that to be really hypocritical, even whether or not you agree with that. Now, my point in general, uh, or not my point, but the, the, to add to that, you know, you guys, I'm not a huge fan of, of the content in this plat on their platform, just because a lot of it's subjective and partisan, but you know how I feel that way a lot about a lot of people, and I could be wrong. Bottom line is, regardless of how you feel about any of them, they have a right to say what they want to say. And He's being censored on Trump's platform. I just think that's a really important thing to think about, especially somebody who is clearly, I would argue, partisan in the angle of a conservative. But on that note, the same conversation, a lot of, a lot of 
this is an interesting, the, the point of I just including this was to simply show you that there are a lot of people out there that I would argue are saying things that might be a little subjective, but have a right to say it, including people like Glenn Beck. Nonetheless, I hope that people out there can stand back and critically look at the fact that what he's pointing at is something that's interesting, important, and relevant. But not when you pull out 1% of the, of the 100% total, right? When 99% of the rest of the story is not being included and you're letting people come to incomplete conclusions about that that then get debunked and, de- and this is how I think it's supposed to work. I think this is what a limited hangout looks like. Now, this clip is actually from uh, months ago, so it's not a new clip, but this was the one I already called out before because it frustrated me that he went on Tucker and waved these things around and acted like they just broke the whole story. Despite the fact that people like David Martin have been on this long before them in much more depth and really explaining what these things are. Now, this is the clip I'm going to play here. Now, this says, of course, you can't make this up. Of course, you very easily can because they are. Turn it up. Now, here's what he says. And joint. Are you ready? This is 153 pages of the confidential agreement between Moderna and the U.S. government, and it goes back to 2015. Okay, so I apologize for this, if this might be low. Somebody was just telling me that that's one of the problems with the show in general, is that some of these clips are low. I'm going to try to make an effort to always download these. I just sometimes forget. So just take that note for those that are pointing that out. I do hear you. Um, So confidential agreement right now. Wait, what on the screen, right? It's like, okay, this is so far and all of it just, you know, had it spoiler alert is publicly available information. All of it. Nothing secret about it. In fact, we'll go to it in a second and show you the top search that you can look up by simply typing in Moderna 2015 and I agreement. And it's on a document cloud. It's, it's public, and it was actually put on there by Axios, of all people, mainstream media. But we'll get back to it. The point is that this, if you only heard that, you would think, oh, this is a, an agreement between Moderna and the government, NIH, NIH, for coronavirus vaccines. And if you only heard that, you would think this must be the agreement for the one we're dealing with now. But that's not the truth. And this is easy to look up if you actually dive past the, you know, spun idea coming from mainstream media. Jason, what was happening in 2015? Uh, Frankenstein coronavirus. That's right. The same time Dr. Barrett and Dr. She published their paper on the new Frankenstein coronavirus. Now, remember, guys, now, in no way am I suggesting that this is not important and possibly the connection between what this, like, let me put it this way. Is it possible that this is literally outlining what we're currently dealing with? Sure. Certainly possible. The plenty of other people have talked about the con- the differences here, but my point nonetheless is that that's not what this actually shows, and the narrative that's spun from outside of this is, and this has been publicly available before COVID-19, is that this has been open research in regard to mRNA injections, other coronaviruses, and how they can build towards this platform. I mean, you co- you've seen this on this show. We've talked about this long before this, like in the beginning of all this. Remember back in the beginning about the bioweapon conversation in Barrick in North Carolina? We've been talking about this for a long time. The point in showing you this is is important because what you want to understand is, yes, they have been working on this and trying and failing for a long time. Remember that discussion? Right? Because they have. 
So you can't talk about how they've been trying and failing to do coronavirus mRNA vaccines over and over and over and then show this later and say, but look at this bombshell, but we just talked about it. They have been working on mRNA vaccines for a long time with Moderna, with these other companies and NIH, because people like Whitney and I talked about that in the beginning, how Fauci and plenty of the other people in his group have direct financial incentives to work with Moderna. Remember that? We talked about that right in the beginning. So how can this be breaking news if this was stuff? My point simply is this is not. This is being misrepresented as some, like if this is meant to sound like it's connected to the current thing. Now it could be, but I I don't think in anyone's sense, this, I'll, I'll make the point in a second. Let's finish this. In fact, let's skip down to page 104. It shows that the NIH and Moderna were collaborating with Dr. Barrett. Wow. Right. His signature is on page 106 of the material transfer agreement. But let's get back up to the top of the specific agreement. The NIH appears to be transferring the mRNA tech to Dr. Barrett. But look what they want to make clear. Quote, mRNA coronavirus vaccine candidates developed and jointly owned by the NIAID and Moderna. Right. Exactly. That's the truth. And what's funny about this is I'm going to show you next how these are used. Right. So when you frame this dishonestly, in my opinion, or he doesn't realize it, this is my opinion as being connected to what's happening, other than the reality that you're just showing publicly available information that shows you they've been doing what they said they've been doing for a long time. To make it sound like this proves that they had a deal you didn't know about, and it's doc- secret documents that are easily looked up online right that moment, it's just, it's just dishonest in a thousand different ways, in my opinion. And here's how these things work, and it, it, this is how they get debunked. Not really, in my opinion. Like not, I don't take fact checks <laughs> these fact check articles are absurd. And you know, I think that my point is, I think this is how this is meant to go. So he comes out and says stuff, which by the way, the jointly owned concept is absolutely true. I'll show you that next. What's funny is the fact check comes out and guess what they fact check. The one thing that's actually true about what he's saying. You think that's by accident? I don't fact checking his claim that the U S government co-owns the COVID vaccine. Well, they do December 10th, 2021. Now, not to get into the fact check. The point is what you'll find is <laughs> before this even came out, this is a fact check in 2021. Here is Axios improving by documentation, pointing to this exact document, which is what he's waving around, saying, what? NIH claims joint ownership of Moderna's vaccine. <laughs> yeah, because it's very true. So first of all, think about how dumb it is that PolitiFact can't find that apparently, or doesn't care to find it, just wants to debunk this thing. Now, that shows you that there's no effort to actually research this. They were told, debunk what he said. And so they did, even though the documentation is very clear and easy to find. But what they didn't care to debunk was everything else he was saying. So they want you, in my opinion, to walk away thinking this was a secret document where they did have this going on before. And all they're arguing is, no, they didn't do it as a secret joint project. So my point, guys, overall, is that this whole conversation and this kind of, you know, limited hangout with giving you a 1% of the full picture. So you walk away thinking you have it all, which is what all these platforms usually do is meant to do specific things. Now, again, here's a document. You can see it's 153 pages. It's just like everything else. It's right here down at the bottom. And if you can see that 153 and you can search in here and find jointly own the whole conversation. This is exactly what he's waving around. But this, in my opinion, 
Oh, I'll read this too. Is meant to cover up stuff like this. And this just coming out as of yesterday, two days ago. And things I think that David Martin have been has been sniffing on, on, if not completely on, from the beginning. But this says the National Institute of Health may own intellectual property that undergrids the leading the leading coronavirus vaccine being developed by Moderna, according to documents obtained by Axios back in 2020. But yet PolitiFact is unable to find the same documents, which are right here. The very first search that comes up when you search for basic, you know, this is obvious to me. So that whole conversation gets people that want to search this. So we go and share this online and say, look at what we just found. It's an actual patent that shows that they have something tied to this. They look this up and they go, fake news, because PolitiFact says. Why? Because Glenn Beck gave you 1% of the full story and didn't give you all the details, which gives them the ability to debunk it, which stops the average person from being able to think past that. That's just my opinion. I could be wrong, as always. But getting into what I think is the main point. Potential recombination linked to SARS-CoV-2 furin cleavage site. A blast search revealed that a 19 nucleotide portion of the SARS-CoV-2 genome encompassing the furin cleavage site is a 100% complementary match to a codon-optimized proprietary sequence that is the reverse complement of the human MUTS homologue, or MSH3. It's interesting to think the codon-optimized idea was something, remember, that was added after the fact. Interesting, potentially, connection there, but the real point here A blast search for the 12 nucleotide insertion led to a 100% reverse match in a proprietary sequence found in the U.S. patent 9587003 filed by February on February 4th, 2016. The correlation between this SARS-CoV-2 sequence and the reverse complement of a proprietary mRNA sequence is of uncertain origin. Conventional biostatistical analysis indicates that the probability of this sequence randomly being present and a 30,000 nucleotide viral genome is 3.21 times, it, I think, I forget how you say that properly, I think it's 10 to the 11th power, a negative, or however you would, the point being, like, impossible, I would argue. So the bottom line is, they found a sequence inside this that 100% matches what they found in a patent that's owned by Moderna. And they find that it's next to impossible for it to be randomly occurring. Now, here's where I found this. Or somebody, I believe, tagged me down here. I believe it was both Gamadian and NJ Wilderness. SARS-CoV-2 contains a sequence patented by Moderna. Probability of this, what we just discussed, please spread this far and wide. Now, here is the patent. For one of them, anyway. I got them from two different places. Modified polynucleotides for the production of oncology-related proteins and peptides. So, in regard to cancer. There it is right here, US 9587003B2, Moderna. Just in case there's something else going on, here's another same patent, different location. US 9587003B2, Boncel Stefan, right there, Moderna Therapeutics. Guess when? 2017. Okay, so the very first thing you should be asking here, oh, and I have it on the way back machine here, just in case we lose this. The, what we should be asking here, for, well, just to be as objective as possible, as much as they say that it's highly unlikely, if not impossible, that this is naturally occurring, just like the HIV inserts, we could still put that, it still could be, even though I don't think that's what we're looking at, it definitely could be, and we should be okay saying that. But the, the main point is that if this is there, which they're saying it is, on a peer-reviewed study, and they're saying that it's a 100% match for this patent, 
anybody honest, especially with everything else going on, which should stand up and say, this needs to be explained. Right now, this needs to be explained. Why does this have this patent and how is it possible? Or have this sequence, which is patented, and explain how that's possible. Then we can go back and dig into the deeper research, like David Martin, I would argue, and research the reality of those patents and how deep this goes. And it becomes almost impossible to, to not see the connection. But what I'll tell you right now is this will not be discussed unless there's more of an agenda around this. But the evidence is right there for you. 100% match of an, a Moderna patent from 2017. Does this suggest that this is a bioweapon? Does this suggest that this is planned? It certainly might suggest that. These are questions we should be asking. Whether or not, I, was, I thought somebody said it was already removed from YouTube, whether or not this is manipulated, whether or not this was something that was taken and used by the government. I mean, there's a lot of possibilities here, but it should ask you, you should be willing to ask whether or not this is a, a manipulated virus, a manipulated threat, something that's being used out there that they have knowledge of, that they've worked on long before COVID-19. Then add it to the gigantic pile of foreknowledge, you know, like the BlackRock plan, the bailout for the U.S. government that was planned before COVID began. It was used and justified by COVID-19. They didn't tell you they made it before that. Or the selling of stocks before this all started. Or a thousand other things we keep showing you that showed that they knew something was coming. Now, bringing this over into the conversation of manipulation and the data they're trying to hide from you. And I think this is a really important one. Now, this itself could have been a title in the title. Right now, as this continues to like uncoil or just completely fall apart in front of them, as they're trying to get you concerned about other locations and different foreign policy arguments, which are important in and of themselves, but being used, in my opinion, regardless of whether they're real, they're right now openly, and I think doing it because they think you're distracted, telling you, we are not going to show you the full picture anymore. That's assuming they even were to begin with. This is Nicole Sapphire, a medical doctor, telling you the CDC's response when questioned about their withholding of COVID data and lack of transparency is essentially, we don't trust you to be able to understand the truth. Which doesn't matter. That's not their choice, right? The point is, if you're the transparent or you're not, you don't get to say, well, because there's people too dumb to see what really it, what it means, or because we're afraid people that have a, a, an agenda will try to misrepresent it. You're basically saying, so I'm deciding to be dishonest first. That's what they're saying. So I'm going to be dishonest before they can be dishonest. That's not how this works. You're supposed to be transparent or you're not. So if you're going to be transparent, you put the facts out there and you let the facts speak for themselves. To pretend that a couple of fringe anti-science conspiracy theorists are, are able to overtake the entire propaganda apparatus by saying what they think is just naive. What's happening is the truth is too powerful for them to hide, so they're trying to hide it entirely. The condescension is palpable, as she says. The wheels are finally coming off. This is the New York Times. The CDC isn't publishing large portions of COVID data. It collects. This is all coming out now. Now, they're going to try to pretend this isn't a new thing, but they haven't been. That's what I keep trying to tell you to the people asking me, why don't I look and break down the CDC data like I do Scotland? Because they keep it from you. Now it's coming out. They've made sure you couldn't really break it down. Here's the New York Post covering this. The CDC withholding COVID data over fears of misinterpretation. That's correct. So again, that's what they're saying. You're too stupid. So we're just going to keep it from you now, because if we give you the data, you're going to think it means that you're, the vaccine doesn't work. <laughs> so we're just going to hide it from you. Seriously? Like, who actually buys this? The people that are already going along with their narrative. I don't think most people do. 
The CDC has admitted it is withholding large portions of data, including on vaccine boosters, from the public because it fears the information could be misinterpreted. The leading public health agency has only published a small sample of the data it has been collecting, despite being two years into the pandemic. Talking to the New York Times, Kristen Norland, a CDC spokeswoman, said the reason for the slow release of data is because basically, comma, at the end of the day, comma, it's not yet ready for prime time. Think about that. Not only just that she's basically in a abstract way saying, just, you know, giving you an excuse that doesn't really explain anything. What does that even mean, not ready for prime time? Is it real? Is it, is it true? I mean, what are you talking about? So it's meant to be abstract and nebulous, but at the same time, what do you mean not ready for prime time? Like this is some kind of TV show. Like, like you're breaking the new, you know, that's what this is. It's a reality show. At the end of the day, it's not ready for prime time. So she could have chosen to say, it's not, we're not sure if it's accurate. She could have chosen to say that we're still breaking it down and, 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 you know, breaking it into digestible. No, she said it's not ready for prime time. I just can't get past how weird and obvious that is. But another reason is that the data could be misinterpreted by the public, she says. Among the data that has been collected but not made public, guess what, guys? Hospitalizations broken down by vaccination status over the last year and information on the effectiveness of booster shots. Yeah, because we don't want to show that because you might not understand. Are they effective or not? Right? Are more people who've gotten the booster going to the hospital or not? Right? It's pretty, I, am, I don't know why, I almost just cussed right there. It's pretty effing clear when you, look, when you just look at what we're staring at. And they just don't want you to see how obvious that is. When the CDC released data on the effectiveness of boosters for adults younger than 65 two weeks ago, before they told you they were going to stop doing this, guess what? It just chose on its own, without discussing it, to not include all of the information around 18 to 49 yeah, the bulk in the middle. Why? Because it was exploding with problems and cases and hospitals. But yeah, we'll just keep it from your view because that obvious problem, you won't understand, right? Because you won't understand how to think that it's all safe and effective regardless of how it's hurting most of them. You, know, you, don't, you don't understand how you're supposed to think like that. That's what they're saying. Because it's not. Now, here's the craziest part about this. Pub, uh, Public Health of Scotland told you they were going to do this. And sure enough, here they are doing it. Openly telling you now, and this is the report from today, they're not going to do it. They're going to hide this information from you or do it, meaning they're no longer going to post the information. I just, I mean, it's baffling to me that they're going to say we're not going to do it. And now they're just hiding it from you. Now, check this out. Changes to vaccine surveillance. It says, as Public Health of Scotland continues to seek and provide the most accurate information available, which is what they were doing more than anybody, to best support the response to the pandemic, ah, that's why, right? So it's not just about being accurate. It's to support the response to the pandemic, which basically you could take as meaning to support their narrative. COVID-19 cases, hospitalizations, and deaths by vaccination status will just no longer be reported. That's great. So how do we know? Because they just tell you. So in, in lieu of breaking down the data and showing you what's really going on, they're just going to insert the narrative. They are effective, says Public Health of Scotland. That's not enough for you? It says PHS will continue to provide updates from the latest scientific analyses, so what they tell you is happening, and reports on the effectiveness. So they're just going to say it's effective, you dumb conspiracy theorist. An explanation behind this decision can be found below. I just, I'm, I'm actually quite surprised that they think this is acceptable to anybody. 
While it's stated that the data in the report should not be used as a measure of effectiveness, PHS is aware of inappropriate use and misinterpretation of the data was taken in isolation without fully understanding. So you're literally arguing because of some person out there that takes this and doesn't understand it, which, by the way, is always a possibility and not, not even a possibility, which is literally always happening in any circumstance because people will read it and not understand. That's always there. But because of that, and you're arguing because that's what most people that you just no longer show it. Now, the idea being, first of all, is the idea of vaccine effectiveness is exactly what they said this was before it started showing the other picture, right? Which is here. This is last week's. Remember what I keep telling you. I keep, and this is the, just what they just cut it off right before what? The booster side of this explodes, which is I'm telling you is happening. Look, it's, it's already happening. This went up exponentially from the week before this. The next couple of reports, you're going to see this completely inverse, just like you did two doses versus one versus none. It's worse. People that have two, which they keep telling you is fully injected, are exponentially worse. Higher rate in every possible way. Higher rate per 100,000, higher general majority. And that's cases, hospitalizations, and deaths across the board. How do you explain that? Why? Because suddenly now we just discovered a booster is the next thing to do. Therefore, those don't lo- you don't look at that anymore. I mean, that's just childish. If two was supposed to work and these people already have, you're giving them right now under a guise that it's supposed to be the next step and it's in fact creating more risk for them, you don't just skip over that, hide that from the data and point to the next one. If you can't see that, you're willfully deluding yourself. Now that they hide it entirely, you must realize this is an obvious deception. It's crazy how obvious this is in the break. The breakdown here was the same breakdown for the cases in the UK report. This is a this is what a pandemic of the uninject of the of the injected looks like. This is not vaccinated compared to three. My point is that if you showed the two, it's crazy worse. But look at the look at the breakdown of these: three thousand to one, four thousand to one, four thousand to one, two thousand to nine hundred, one thousand to six hundred. Every single category except under 18 is exploding. The risk per 100,000 of getting sick is, in some cases, times four. And that's supposed to be working? Even if you think it's reducing their hospitalization and death, that still shows you that who's spreading it more than anybody. In fact, by, like by a factor of three, the people with the injections. That's keeping it going. And then you can argue that the people, the, the hospitalization and death part of it's also being manipulated, which is why we show the two here and so on, right? It's crazy obvious. So they're telling you, oh, my point was before, before we got to this point, like back when they first started doing this and, and it was tapered the other way where this, where the unvaccinated category did look like it was worse. And that, that was always because they were dumping the one dose back into the unvaccinated, which is what they're still doing, which I've proven over and over the first 21 days of it anyway, which is where the 70% of the problems happen. 70% of the deaths happen after that injection in the first 21 days. And they, all those, they dump back into unvaccinated. Alberta proved that it's happening all over the place. They all, they say it right in the definitions of this document. But the point is that they said, Hey, look, it's showing you that it works. You, we all remember that they pointed at the data and they said, look, it's showing you that it works. Well, they're not being hurt as much as them. Then when it flipped, that's when they started saying, but no, you can't use this as a, as a proof of vaccine efficacy. Well, you just did. You just did a month ago. How does that even make sense? Like we're supposed to forget that you were pointing at the same document to say that it worked. And then when it flips, you say, no, you can't do it the way we were doing it a month ago. They treat you like you're a child and people that are lost the two party paradigm just don't seem to care. 
due to increasing risk of misinterpretation from growing complexities. No, not even remotely. It's just painful. Reasons why it's inappropriate to continue publishing case rates. Recent changes in testing behavior and policies, including the fact that asymptomatic people no longer need to test, limits our ability to robustly identify and monitor the cases. Well, you post that. So there you go. So you post it. People know that's part of it. So that's still truth. But you don't like that people can pick apart what you're trying to hide. My point is these are all factors that should still be applied to COVID-19 testing before the injection that they don't do. They still average it out, combining the 80-year-olds with the five-year-olds and pretending like they're all at the same risk. They all, and they, they don't factor in behavior and testing and everything else. They just pretend you're all in the same risk and you're all in danger. But then afterward, they go, no, 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 you can't do it on that. You have to make sure you break it down by age and different testing, different everything. That's just inherently dishonest. COVID-19 rates do not account for potential differences between populations, such as behavior towards social distancing, underlying health issues. Yep, exactly. You mean like dying from with and from or people that have comorbidities and that, that shouldn't be included as the risk to COVID? Yeah, exactly but they're not doing that still. You go in the hospital with a broken leg and you die from it or leave. Either way, that's a COVID death or COVID hospitalization if you get tested while you're there and even if you don't get sick. But here, after the vaccine, well, we're going to apply that logic. You might have underlying health issues. That that matters. If you can't see why that's dishonest, you're choosing not to. Anyway, the bottom line is, I'm just going to, I was going to read some of this, but even on vaccine effectiveness, what are they, this is where it used to be. Right. Uh, this is where under vaccine effectiveness. Well, I, 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 what's up here? Hold on. There we go. Overall hospitalizations. Where were we? Right here. Vaccine effectiveness summary. Right. This is where we are. You'll notice the, the graphs are gone. They just skip right over it. And in lieu of that, what do they have? Ridiculous insertions of data where you're just supposed to take a face value. This is what it is because we say so. And it also just tells you. Oh, are they effective? Yes, they show that they are effective. Great. That's not even what they're really saying. The point is they're trying to break this down as 57% reduction of symptomatic infection is is good. That's good now. Don't you know that that's working? So it doesn't stop transmission. It only flip of the coin even reduces your, your symptomatic infection. But yeah, but it's totally good and everything works because we say that's what works. Because if that's what it is, that's working. <laughs> I mean, it's just incredible. COVID-19, the third dose provides excellent protection. No, it doesn't. The third dose has been shown to wane immediately, just like the rest of them. But who cares? Because now they just say it in text. You don't even get to break it down by data. They want you to this, they want their narrative to be fact. That's what I've been showing you from the very beginning. Now, bringing this over into Canada and how it leads into the same situation that's being used to shut down actual discussion, dissent from every possible angle hiding information from you, shutting down the ability to protest when they do that in every possible angle. Canada's House of Commons votes 185 to 151 in favor of invoking the Emergencies Act. Right, so who knows what they were able to conduct while they used the Emergencies Act to delay this vote. I'm sure a lot of things were exchanging hands. Either way, they just decide to keep this going. The illegal, unjustified situation that it is. Now, on top of that, and this is only a couple quick points for Canada, this is what's still happening there. And this is what it looks like to protect and serve. As I said, protect and serve, clearly. You know, I'll read that afterward. Here's here's what's happening. This is pretty alarming. I just want to get a coffee, okay? Somebody just just out to get a coffee, or at least that's what they're saying. But what you can clearly tell, the way that that they engage with this person, that this wasn't some, like, caught in the middle of the context. That they were walking by, 
and they immediately stop because of what she's saying and the way that they engage, like, what's your name? What's your name? It, it seems to suggest to me that there wasn't a preamble before this. They wouldn't be asking her name if they had been speaking before this started. That's my, my opinion. But nonetheless, watch the way this breaks down. Just trying to get a coffee, she says. Can I get a coffee? Are you here partaking? You walked up to me. Oh, you know what's funny? I didn't even pick up on that the first time. Here, hold on. Since I'm going to stop it, I'll grab it real quick. So what's really interesting to me, I didn't pick up on this the first time. You know what he said right there? Are you partaking? So apparently, by saying you're partaking, which I assume means the protest, you're uh, that's a that's an offense now. So pro so not they're doing anything illegal. You're just uh, you're just literally present and partaking in a protest, but because they've deemed that topic of protest illegal, you can't do that. Does that sound like free speech? Like, what if you just want to come out and protest what's going on in exactly the same way, but not part of the truckers? No, can't do that because we've deemed what they're protesting now off the table by using the trucker protest as a means of sidestepping. Like they just go, oh, well, because truckers, you can't protest the mandate now. See how that works? That's not to suggest that the, the truckers themselves were part of that, but that's pretty in- interesting that they just like it was used that way, whether or not it was organic. And I do, as I've said from the beginning, it was very clearly and still is organic. But I have already pointed out from day one that there are people within this that are not on your side, guys. We all know that. That's how these things work. Agent provocateurs and so on. I just want to get a coffee, okay? Why Can is I the get camera in my face right now? Are you, you here partaking? You walked right up now to you're me. in the red zone. I'm scared. I want to go for a coffee down there. Okay. Can I can where I go for a coffee? You're not excluded here, from that. But I I'm where do you live? Time for you to leave. Jeez. I can't Where do you live? Where do you live? No, go grab yourself a red zone right now. If you don't leave right now, you will be arrested. Do you understand me? I can't go for a coffee. Grab yourself, because if we see you, we'll be patrolling all day. She sounds like an elderly woman, too. Just, I mean, I don't know that for sure, but certainly sounds like that. If we see you again, it'll be different. Look at that. Leave. tell you? Take your camera and get out of here. Knocks the camera. Take your camera. Get out of here. Like, are, are she, no, they're no longer allowed to, to, they're, they're, I mean, well, at least in the United States, they're, they're First Amendment rights. You don't have, I, I don't know, I'm not as attuned to the Canadian constitution, but as I understand it, they still have the right to free speech and to film, you know, everything. But now because everything, your, your entire understanding of rights is suspended because Trudeau says so, they just get to, just don't know, it doesn't matter anymore. Get your camera out of my face. I mean, this guy is out of his mind. This guy is completely drunk on his own power. Do you understand that? Walk away. Your phone doesn't need to be in our face when you're walking away. Okay, so since she was, and so he just admitted, by the way, on record that she was walking away. But because she was filming as she walks away, he grabbed it and stopped her to yell about her phone. So who actually kept this going? He did. Isn't that isn't that a risk because COVID? Right? Like these guys are ridiculous. Like if if the risk is that they're all this is happening because of the COVID risk, which is by the way still the ridiculous argument for why, right? We got to get you out of here because the COVID. Well, so why'd you then accost her and bring her back into conversation? You see what I'm saying? Like, it's just mean, it's meaningless. This guy's angry because he's being filmed, which is her right. Whoa. Took her phone out of her hand. Or are you going to get arrested? I, I was Go. walking no. away. Get out of here. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Hope you can go to sleep at night. Wow. 
That is really crazy. Before we go to this next part, what I said was, I just can't understand why the bad guys of the world can't learn from Canada's democracy. You know, I just don't get it. <laughs> just so stupid. How you know this, this? This is absolutely wrong, and we all know it. Everyone knows it. People are just politically invested for one reason or another. It's very sad. Now, on the last note, I wanted to include this because we talked about the Canada discussion about those UN planes. That, of course, is being dismissed as conspiracy theory like anything else, but it doesn't mean we know for sure it means what people want it to mean, but it's something we should still ask, whether or not it's valid. Even though I did think I showed that those people in those uniforms that weren't labeled seem to be Quebec police, still crazy they're not labeled. But nonetheless, this is an article I wrote back in 2017. An entire unit of heavily armed UN vehicles already on U.S. soil in in Maryland and literally in the back of a Kellogg cereal factory. It's not a joke. The video is still here and here. You can still watch it. The guy had a drone. The whole point is these are literally in the back of this warehouse. And this is, it's a Kellogg factory. It doesn't make any sense, guys. It's just, it's, the point is, you could explain this. They, they tried to argue in the past. Oh, here's a, a train bringing them in. It's for other reasons. And sure, it could be. But I still think it's interesting. I still think it's strange that this is happening on U.S. soil and that we see this in places like this. Regardless, here's an article that I think is relevant. And you could read more about it. It's happened more than once, and it's dismissed more than once. And then lastly, National Guard troops will be deployed in Washington, D.C. as the trucker convoy protests loom the same point. Now you're deploying more military on the ground, which, by the way, I'm sure Republicans are calling out right now, despite the fact that they didn't during Trump's administration. Now, is here, is that this is the why they use these things. Arguing that these things now, the protests, whether or not they're trucker protests or not, they're just protests against the mandate. Like, what does it even mean to be a trucker protest? It's just, you're just labeling this as whatever you've labeled the rest of it to be able to undermine it as Nazis and whatever else. Oh, by the way, as you literally support a neo-Nazi white supremacist government over there in Ukraine. But yeah, we got to watch out for these Nazi white supremacist Trump supporters, right? <laughs> just, it's pathetically obvious how disingenuous this is. Now, going from this, realizing that this is, in a way, the new direction of this narrative, right? Where this is what we're continuing to see. This is as of uh, today. COVID infections plummet 90% from U.S. pandemic high. States lift mask mandates, right? Realistically, ask yourself, if infections have plummeted 90%, you already know what they're going to argue. You already know this. You already know that they're going to say the vaccine worked, didn't it? I mean, I, I probably already have those arguments being made right now. We did it, right? We did it. Except what we didn't do was reach even remotely the number they argued was for herd immunity. And we've also then stepped into the, argue, the area where they say the third shot, the only one that matters, yet still pointing to the percentage from two shots to argue that we're there. Except we just showed you that the two, the two shot argument is dangerous because the reality is those, oops, I had, thought I had it on there is that the two-shot area is way worse than what's going on in the no-shot area. But so then ask yourself why, when they tell you, oh, don't look at that, only look at the third dose and don't look at everything else because you're misunderstanding it. But then over here, they point at the, the, the idea that people are fully injected and say, but ah, we did it, herd immunity. I'm not even making this up. Now, what actually did this is two things in my mind, if we're even dealing with this in reality, is that this is the natural de 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 uh, decline like we've seen in past situations, despite injections increasing the problem and then declining again. And then they go, hey, it worked, just like with smallpox and polio and other things in the past. On top of that, it's the natural immunity taken from people dealing with whatever's happening in general. 
but it doesn't stop them from saying we did it. Mission accomplished, just like we keep seeing. Removing the mask mandates, which, by the way, there's no evidence to suggest they ever worked at all. And even people like Gretchen from, uh, what, uh, what's her name? I'm blanking on her state all of a sudden. Uh, Governor Gretchen, though, pointing out that it never really worked. Oh, yeah, you mean like we've been screaming since day one, and now you're allowed to say? It's pathetic how obvious it all is. But they're rolling it back, as we can see, in the, in the middle of simultaneously beginning to hype up the next thing. Austria will lift almost all restrictions by March 5th. Same thing we're hearing in the UK and everywhere else. Obviously, they should have never been restricted to begin with. So when they roll them back, that's a good thing. But why are they doing it? Where's your Michigan, thank you. Where is your new evidence? Where's the new breakdown that suggests that we should roll them back? Because you moments ago were screaming how we're all going to die. So now that you're rolling them back, let me see the new evidence. Oh, you know, you don't have it? Well, then you're going to go to jail. <laughs> that's what should be happening. But it's not. They're rolling it back because they lost momentarily. And they just want you to think, oh, it's because we succeeded. Lifting restrictions could cause anxiety for many as unknown persons. This is actually what plenty are arguing. Well, we should put back lockdowns because we don't know what would happen. Yeah, guys, that's called life. The idea that we should lock everything down because of the unknown is exactly what they hoped you would be feeling right now. (laughs) I love the colon experts. (laughs) Experts say Lifting restrictions could cause anxiety because you've warped their brains. The restrictions are what are hurting them, including what's creating the anxiety. But this is really what they're going to push. This is the beginning of February, but they're going to, we don't know. It could be. That's all they have, guys. But plenty of other places. This is six days ago. Scottish code powers to be extended by six months. So while places are claiming that it's completely over, it's all 90% gone and everything we... Scotland's going, nope, we're going the other direction as they hide the data from you. That's crazy. Here is Germany and their constitutional court rules in favor of the COVID vaccination requirement for healthcare workers, even now, mind you, rejecting urgent appeals from numerous parties against the law. But Germany doesn't care. Now, we're going to get into this in a minute, more so than we did, uh, or just pointing at it again since we discussed it before. But you probably remember this. This is the law in Germany from 2000, uh, what was it, 2001, 2001. You know, back, you know, the 9-11 time frame, which is probably when this all truly began in, in earnest. It says in the case of vaccination ordered by the basis of law, to sum up real quick, vaccines can be used, which contain microorganisms that can be excreted by the vaccinated person and ingested by other people. That's literally on the books in German law right now. It's called the Protection Against Infection Act. Okay, so my point is, and we'll come back to this, this was always there. That's probably why Germany is kind of pushing aggressively the other direction. But bottom line, after 2001, we're not supposed to even be talking about these kind of things. Today, it's supposed to be fake news to talk about self-spreading vaccines, despite them discussing how that's the next step. But there it was in 2001. Vaccine requirements. Now, we're going to get into that deep in a minute, so stay tuned in regard to the self-spreading, everything else, digital ID, implantables, and where it's going and where it currently is. But here it is from yesterday. Guess what? Even as they're going, look, we did it. It's going away. But at the same time, on the other side of their mouth, the more contagious version of Omicron spreads in the U.S., fueling worries. What are they talking about? Ooh, stealth. Stealth Omicron. The one we've already talked about. The one that is possibly more dangerous. Now, we know what that means in this context. 
Delta is still maybe more dangerous. It could be. Yeah, didn't we have we had Delta for six months now? Don't we have enough? Yeah, we do. But so they know it's not more dangerous, but they'll happily keep saying it could be. Anything could be. Same thing here. The Omicron surge continues to decline in the U.S. as experts are keeping a close eye on an even more contagious version that that could once again foil the nation. So could known as BA2, is a strain of highly contagious Omicron variant that appears to spread even more easily. So they don't even know for sure that it's more contagious. It just might be unreal. But this is how they keep it going. UK's most vulnerable to get spring booster? Okay, so aren't we all saying, I mean, the UK, for crying out loud, in March of 2020, already de- already knocked the, the COVID-19 down to a non, a, 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 what was it? I always forget this. An infectious disease of not high consequence. Uh, let's see. I'm not going to be able to find it. What the hell was that? Oh, look at that. Bingo. I did find it. So just, just to reference, this was updated the, the last as of May 2021. It's the last time it's been updated, right? It's, this is uh, accurate as of today. I mean, it's, they don't they update this as they go. It still says... As of March 19, 2020, COVID-19 is no longer considered to be a high-consequence infectious disease. That's it. Yet, yet, despite that, here they are saying, we're going to give you boosters anyway. Even as the U.S. is basically saying it's over, and plenty of other countries are rolling it back, and as boosters are coming out to be pretty harmful, under all of them. But it doesn't matter. Why? Because the agenda is still going, guys. They're going to keep pushing this down the road. The most vulnerable to get boosters as restrictions end. Understand, they're talking about spring boosters, not the booster now. We're talking about five. Spring dose will bridge the gap before an autumn booster rollout. You see how they're planning this for a spring booster and then one in autumn. How do you not see that this is never going away? This is the, this is the ongoing six-month interval until they shorten that to three months, which is already basically happening. Britain's most vulnerable people will be offered another COVID booster shot this spring. What is that, the fifth shot? Yep. It's almost like many predicted this would come to pass, you know? <laughs> Crazy. This is the link to the article if you want to read it. Here's the New York Times article saying this. Is, well, here's what's funny to me, actually. So here we are saying that we're going to keep these going, right? Shots are not going away. They want to make sure you know that, right? But here's the article going the other direction. And here's why. Let me explain why I think this is happening. Got a COVID booster, New York Times argues. You probably won't need another for a long time. And what do they mean by a long time? Like six months or something. Man, for a long time. Yeah, except when you have natural immunity, it lasts the rest of your life. But yeah, six months or a year, we're way down the line. Right, okay. My point is they want you to start going, oh yeah, you got one, but the booster's going to last you. Here's another article coming out and saying, oh, what? But same, same today, mind you. And this was also today, I believe. Guess what they just decided? CDC updates the guidance for intervals between COVID-19. So at a time when they're telling you, now you can wait even longer between your next shot, and I'll tell you why, it's self-serving, is the same time New York Times come out, yeah, yeah, you could last, you can wait a long time probably. Trying to make it sound like a good thing. Well, now they're working suddenly, so you can wait even longer. Well, that's not what's really happening. Expanding the recommended time between the initial two-dose vaccine to eight weeks for some people over the age of 12, particularly young men. Okay, where was this group over 12, particularly young men? You know where that goes, right? You remember that conversation, myocarditis. Well, CDC says waiting longer between Pfizer and Moderna doses may reduce the rare myocarditis risk. So you're literally going to extend the time between the shots 
for everybody because of the super, super rare thing. Come on. We can't be that stupid. This myocarditis risk is gigantic. It is overwhelming. And even their data shows you that. And they're running desperately from this. And, and, and all they can do is go, but, but it's worse from COVID. And that's already been shown to be false. More studies have come out to show you the risk after COVID is being misrepresented. Bottom line, it's a risk if you get sick, whereas the shots, instantaneous. Children are being given something that dramatically increases their risk of something that could increase their mortality by up to 50% over the next 10 years. And that's a non-serious case of myocarditis. So CDC is realizing, oh, shoot, if we can push this out, we can reduce what's happening to them so it doesn't look as bad for us. And we're going to frame that by using our media puppets to say, hey, it's already working. Just extend it a little bit. Just wait. Give it another week. You're probably good. <laughs> it's so self-serving to me. And I keep seeing how they use these things as they go forward. But guess what? Even as they're telling you, oh, it's all going away and we don't, it's, all, it's not a problem, but we're going to wait even longer because they're working. <laughs> guess what? Sanofi and GlaxoSmithKline to seek emergency authorization for other COVID vaccines following strong results. What are those strong results? Well, here's how embarrassing this is. Those strong results are basically what you're getting from the current shots. So because that's the new bar to reach, getting that bar, it's super strong, except it's way, way, way worse than what they said was good when we first started everything. But now that we've lowered that bar aggressively to meet what they want you to think is happening is good. So, so too are the new shots. But why do we need two shots? Or excuse me, new shots, which by the way are also now two shot intervals. Why do we need more injections? Isn't this safe and effective? Isn't it working? Didn't we just explain how this is all going away? Oh, because this is never going away. They're going to keep making these and keep justifying it. And guess what? Still using emergency authorization, right? How is it if 90% of the cases are gone, how are we still in an emergency? Because this emergency is forever. Just like the 9-11 or opioid crisis, it's going to go on as long as they want it to, even though you don't even remotely meet the terms for an emergency. They said Wednesday they plan to submit their COVID-19 vaccine for emergency authorization following strong phase three results. They're saying their COVID vaccine could play an important role in helping vaccinate the world, given that it's easier to store than mRNA injections. The vaccine has a, get this, 100% efficacy. How, many, how long are they going to continue to keep citing 100% efficacy and then 30 seconds later, show how it's basically non-existent. Can we not realize that they're using very short distance of time and making it sound like a nothing is 100%. A math, anybody working in statistics or math or anything should laugh when they say that. Even something that works, what you would argue is 100% of the time will not work for everybody. So it's not 100% effective. But it says it's 100% effective against what? Severe disease and hospitalization. So the same thing. So I guess we just don't even make things to stop transmission anymore, even though that's always what they said was supposed to happen. Efficacy against any infection was 57%. So again, you get a flip of the coin about whether it's going to actually stop you from getting sick. They just claim that if you get sick, what you're dealing with would have been worse. I guess we'll just take their word for it. While that's lower than what was reported originally for Pfizer and Moderna, right, so you're getting a lower stat than what was originally cited for them, and they said that was good, and they're calling this strong results. Coming in well under the original cited point. We can only imagine what this will drop down to in a, in a minute. Crazy. But it says, Sanofi and GlaxoSmithKline said the results reflect the latest variants and are, quote, in line with expected vaccine effectiveness in today's environment dominated by variants of concern. What a gross and willful... They are actively taking advantage of this saying, well... 
Here's what's effective in today's world. You don't need to... Is it effective or not? Does it stop you from getting sick or not? You don't get to argue that because everybody else is failing, that if we meet that failure level, that we're succeeding. That's what they're essentially doing. Unbelievable. And of course, by talking about variants of concern, that gives them the caveat when this thing falls on its face to say, well, variants, we are, the unvaccinated did it. The company said it's a favorable safety profile. <laughs> really? Favorable? It's embarrassing what's happening today. Of course, they also add it's 100% effective against severe disease, but it may be an effective booster for other shots. Maybe really scientific. So we're going to go ahead and say, just take it alongside everything else because we're not even scientifically qualifying the mix and match narrative, even though plenty of experts have already said there's no science to back that up. In fact, it's called what one scientist said, digging themselves out of a hole. But here we are. They're stored different... They're different technologies. They're stored at different temperatures, have different ingredients. But yeah, screw it. Take one, then the other one and pretend like that's going to work. You know why? Because I guess it's just about getting something in your body. Not really about whether they're going to work together because who cares? Because you know what? None of them are. But as this says, even as we're saying, it's all going away. Don't expect the next COVID variant. Apparently, there already is going to be one for sure to be mild. Just don't expect it to be mild, which, by the way, means it's going to be bad. Warn experts. This is what I'm talking about. This is so bad. This is two paragraphs in. So what you would take from this headline would, would be to assume that experts know something, right? Don't expect this one to be very, a mild variant. Okay, well, they must know something, right? They must have evidence suggesting that the next one is already building or that there's evidence suggests that if it does, it's going to be this way, right? This is mainstream media for you. They must know, right? Here's what it says. Second paragraph. Quote, the tough thing about COVID that we've learned over and over again, ex I guess except for the title, is that there is no crystal ball to tell everyone what's coming next. Okay, so that means I don't know what's coming next. That seems quite a bit different than don't expect it to be very, that seems to suggest that you know. Here's what it says next, same paragraph, quote, it is totally possible that we will go months without a new dangerous variant, but it's equally possible that a month from now, there is a new variant that is more dangerous and deadly and transmissible. Oh, okay, so you don't know. So it's also, poss it's also possible that nothing could happen. It's possible that it could be dangerous, but anything's possible. You see my point? So the title should be, we have no idea, but anything's possible. That's, that's literally the title. But the way they frame this by fortune, because they're garbage propaganda, is it's going to be bad and dangerous, so prepare for that. Unbelievable that they get away with acting like they're journalists today. And here's Fauci doing the same. So it's all going away, but here's the potential future requirement. Requirement for an additional boost or a fourth shot, even though they're already giving fourth shots to immunocompromised and so on. They're telling you this right now. The potential future requirement for an additional boost or a fourth shot for mRNA or a third shot for J&J &J is being very carefully monitored. Yeah, in okay. real time. If there's any indication or any, if you, if you, if, if you even barely paying attention to people like me, how many times must we tell you that it seems, not that I know for sure, but that the evidence is very clearly pointing to the inevitable endless cycle of shots. Fauci himself has said it's going to be a cycle year, season by season. Boris Johnson has said it. Multiple health administrations have said it around the world. They're telling you this is, I mean, for crying out loud. I mean, here, here, I just, I forgot about this one, but here's a, a very obvious one from Australia. 
I mean, they're openly telling you it's not going away, and Fauci pretends like, we're not sure, we're devaluating the thing that we've already agreed on before this ever started. We're now watching countries like Israel see their cases surge despite high vaccination rates. How important are boosters to maintaining this no-lockdown plan, and how soon we need to get them so that we can maintain these freedoms we're being promised? We need to get used to being vaccinated with COVID vaccines for the future. Um, I can't see that COVID is not going to be with us forever. Um, maybe in the future we can have even better vaccines and coverage across the world to achieve that. I mean, as a public health doctor, we always want to have diseases go, um, get totally eliminated, but that's not on the horizon in the near future. So booster doses, repeat doses will be part of it. You know, there'll be different advice about different schedules, which doses you get. But at the moment, our priority has to be getting first and second doses into people, and there will be recommendations about booster doses in the future. And I can assure you that the Commonwealth Government has, produced, has purchased a large quantities of vaccine into 2022, and this will be a regular cycle of vaccination and revaccination. Sorry about that. I always forget some of these have my opening on it. But, you know, I mean, this is very clear. There's no misunderstanding that. Fauci knows this because they're all taking cues from the U.S. government. I mean, it's just very obvious where this is going. Someone asked the question about the, the, the J&J. So that would be third, right? Because we're talking two, then it became a booster, and then it became another one. So we're talking about two on top of whatever was normally happening, right? So J would become three, the two would become four. And this is going to just keep going. They just told you in the UK that we're going to get a booster to get you ahead and prepared for the autumn booster. They already tell you this is going all the way into next year. If you're paying attention. As somebody else pointed out in the chat, right, that it's not an endless cycle, right? The idea would be to, I, I, so I guess the question would be whether you decide that the immune system problem was intentional. Certainly could be. But I mean, I, I, it's, we should be willing to consider the, that even with HIV, that this was actually just their malfeasance. They're, they're, not that they couldn't then abuse that and make money from that, but nonetheless, that this was an experiment that didn't go the way they wanted it to. Maybe this is part two that still didn't go the way they wanted it to. I'm not saying I believe that. I don't even know which way I stand because I know that they, if they wanted to achieve this, I would not think twice about considering that they would make this happen, right? But to their point that people are having this obvious lymphocytopenia, the, the vague situation where your immune system is being destroyed by these things and then potentially you die. And then obviously then there's no longer giving you a cycle of vaccination. But nonetheless, the point is that this is meant to be an endless cycle of forcing this on people until whatever is achieved. And maybe that achievement is simply the usually like for instance i argue that the infrastructure of getting people familiarized and comfortable with proving their vaccine status through a digital id and using that passport infrastructure to get inside businesses and do everything else i argue that was always more of a plan and agenda than just hurting and killing people like the idea of depopulation i've never really feel, felt made a lot of sense other than you know, the idea that they genuinely believe that's the biggest threat to humanity which i don't necessarily think the idea is that we're their chattel. They use us. So to remove people, I've always thought that was a kind of a hard stretch, but certainly possible. And I do see a lot of evidence to some people thinking that's the right way to go. It seems to me more so that this was about leading us into that infrastructure like Catherine Austin Fitz talks about. And that possibly this is just their malfeasance. They're just bad at what they do. And they meant to hurt only the people that didn't take it. And it backfired. It's hurting those that did. You see what I mean? Like the idea of the leaky vaccine. 
Had this been what a leaky vaccine by definition is, the argument would be that it would only hurt people not taking it because it's going to make it get worse and worse while people that are taking it are not being affected, but they keep spreading it. So the people that aren't continue to get this worse situation, right? That, that seems like something that would, would make sense with what they're doing, forcing you into it. That's not what happened. seems the people that don't are totally, obviously, you know, we've been, we've been watching the show. It's obviously focused right now on the people that are. Now, anyway, going forward on this, the idea is this is continuing, right? That they are right now pushing this out because they're trying to hide what's happening, obviously. They're pushing out more injections. They're telling you this is going to happen. It's coming. Now, on the point of the injection and the, and the discussion of the self-spreading discussion, before I get into the, the implantables, which I, I'm going to make this undeniable for you that this is clearly on the table in context of COVID-19 and well before whether it's from Klaus Schwab or your government or DARPA or anybody else. But before that, I wanted to make a point about this we just discussed because I did up, I followed up on that page that was not loading and you'll be, uh, it's exactly what I expected. So we just discussed the self-spreading injection discussion, which by, by the way, does lead into this because there's plenty of people that genuinely are concerned about, and it's a valid question, whether or not there's already something in this. Yeah, there's plenty of conversations about, about nanotech or graphene, which is the same conversation to a degree, or even things like this, implantables. Now, I don't necessarily think that that is the step already, other than possibly like graphene or nanotechnology discussions, which are valid concerns right now. But this, for me, is setting it up to be that way. But what I wanted to point out, or just what I was saying there, was how you can see this, con this conversation rolling into the implantable and how they connect, because it's possible it could be in there. But this is something we just discussed. This is just a, a website, again, that I'm not very familiar with, but has a lot of great information. And it was discussing a panel for the UN, which is very real. And I'll show you again. It was called Going Viral, Deliberately Releasing GM Viruses into the Environment. Now, if you want to watch this show, I believe it was... No, hold on. Where was that? Oh, wow. I forget to bring these up. But we just discussed the self-spreading conversation. If you want to watch, it's right here. And we get, I play the videos from the actual discussion where they, they, openly, they openly discuss this as something that's be in the works. That's, what the, that's the crazy part to me. I might as well see if I can grab it real quick. Just the one. Here it is right here. Since the outbreak of COVID-19, the word virus has been dominating media headlines as well as our daily lives. Did you know that one approach that has been proposed to control virally transmitted diseases is by releasing a virally transmitted vaccine? Unlike traditional vaccines, infectious vaccines do not require any individual consent. Infectious solutions are also being developed for food and agriculture. Now, we've gone over this. Insect allies is what that's referencing. We've talked about that in depth. And again, if you want to go into this in depth, that this is for the show to check out because we go into the self-spreading conversation. Now, the point was that we were discussing this. And I think this video in and of itself, which is very obvious, and this is very clearly tied to what we're going to get into, is something people would right now dismiss. They would call you a maniac on Twitter if you talked about this, despite the fact that it's very real. Now, here was the page you saw on the show, right? If you remember. I thought it was strange because I was like, oh, you know, I thought it was indicative of the fact that, that one page was being manipulated. But when I tried to load the UN page in general, it all seemed down. But since I've checked afterward, it was exactly what I thought, just like the other page, just like that WHO page 
in regard to the uh, it, health. It's more than influenza, right? Where they're calling out the, C, the NIH and CDC around their manipulation of the flu vaccines and everything. Right? It says that one page, it says the whole site is down, but you look at every other page and it's fine. Yet that page to this day still says it's under maintenance. Obviously, they're trying to hide something. So when you tried to refresh this then, you saw on the show, you can go back and look on this one, I believe. It wasn't there. But here is what you see today. Something changed, isn't it? It's interesting. This is what it showed then. Now let me show you. Here's what it shows today. Opening the page. Look at that. Forbidden. Well, that's interesting. The other day it was under maintenance. Now it's forbidden. I wonder what they're trying to keep from your view. Probably this information. But the point here is now you can see the main UN page, right? UN.org. Just to show you that it does load and it is there. Just for those, this is the this is the uh, non English page. That's if you go to slash e, I think it's e n. It goes to the English version of the UN. Okay. Now my point is, why would this be under maintenance? Days before this, we were showing it live, right? Or at least during my research, and then it goes under maintenance, and then the next day it goes to forbidden. Isn't that strange? I think it's very clear how a lot of stuff is being actively scrubbed right now. Nonetheless. The page itself is no longer there. The actual page, the panel discussion is gone. But they, and that's what this was. Okay? So now, and, and going forward, I can show you the page we did discuss, and that's what this is, a different page. It's not the UN page. It's a different UN page. It's not the panel page is what I mean. But this is a different UN page that's only be able, you can only see it under the web archive. So this one was also removed. And here's the meeting right here where it does say exactly what we're talking about. Going viral, deliberately releasing GM viruses into the environment, and shows the animations, shows the schools they're working with, University of, Ger- of Stutt- Stuttgart, Germany, Georgetown, MIT. Okay, and this is under United Nations Sustainable Goals. The page is gone now. So too is the one on the main UN page. Here is the Geneva page where it discusses the same thing, deliberately releasing GM viruses into the environment. Now, back then, this was a kind of conflated in 2019 conversation about the insect allies, but also about doing it in regard to vaccines. But then weirdly, when COVID started, everything just went super quiet. Why? Why are these being deleted? Why is this being hidden? Now, here was that point about the German law. Right. This is the jur- this in 2001 when the with the beginning of the security state, or actually technically before. Right, we're a couple months before September 11th, or technically no. So it says. Oh, so here's to, to read it to be clear. The version of July 20, 2000 went into force the Ju- July uh, January 1st 2001. So months months uh, you know what seven months away September. So what do they know? Possibly nothing. Maybe they're just that far ahead of this. Either way, in case you didn't see it in the beginning, Protection Against Infection Act in 2001, this is what Germany wrote into law. In the case of a vaccination ordered on the basis of this law, which means they're forcing people to get vaccinated, or one publicly recommended by the highest state health authority, vaccines may be used, which contain microorganisms which can be excreted by the vaccinated person and ingested by other people. It's very clear what they're saying. The fundamental right to physical integrity, like your body, is restricted in this respect, meaning we don't care about it it, as long as we can yell that there's a pandemic. Now, you tell me that's not exactly this. 
know that one approach that has been proposed to control virally transmitted diseases is by releasing a virally transmitted vaccine. Unlike traditional vaccines, infectious vaccines do not require any individual consent. Right, which is a huge deal. They just quiet. Well, th this video actually gets into it and explains the downside. This isn't necessarily a video proposing this as a good thing, but nonetheless, it's just incredible. The idea of Johns Hopkins talks about this. We've already shown you the self-spreading vaccine. We're not going to get into that today, but the idea that this is an obvious problem for informed consent and, and risk and everything else, and that never stops. It keeps going. I'm going to get into this in another show coming up soon, but I even just saw an argument trying to debunk the how the, the spike protein is cytotoxic, right? This is a mainstream publication debunking the peer-reviewed science of like the Salk Institute, saying, no, they don't know what they're talking about. Well, it very clearly is dangerous. So this is the, art, the article, the video we discussed this. Mainstream media, this is, and by the way, this is before this discussion. This was where we discussed the self-spreading. This was 2022, February 20th. But you go back to February, December 4th, 2021, we were discussing how mainstream media frantically hides, guess what, how Omicron is being spread by the injected. Now, I didn't necessarily mean it the way that sounds in regard to what we just discussed, but it's interesting how that suddenly starts to be interesting when we get into the origin of Omicron, right, and how weird it is, how the, uh, the discussion of Botswana and the four diplomats and their diplomatic immunity and how that came to be in, in, in Botswana and then spread to South Africa. And weirdly, the government only talks about South Africa forward. It's almost like they don't want you to think about Botswana anymore. Was this that? Seems like that's what's happening at the very least. And that's what the UK data does continue to show that it's exploding in people that are being injected and they're spreading it. So it could be, couldn't it? Well, on top of that, don't forget this argument from 2018, bioethics, compulsory moral bioenhancement should be covert. As it says in 2018, just before this, if moral bioenhancement ought to be compulsory, and that's what we'd be discussing if it was self-spreading or nanotechnology, he says in this article, then its administration ought to be covert rather than overt, meaning we do it without your knowledge. If moral bioenhancement ought to be compulsory, then its administration is a matter of public health. Doesn't this sound like what they would argue today? And for this reason should be governed by public health ethics. But don't be confused by the word ethics. It says, I argue that the covert administration of a compulsory moral bioenhancement program better conforms to public health ethics. Oh, does it? Just keep telling yourselves that. The point being, if we think this is the right thing to do, we should do it without telling you because you're too stupid to understand it. That's exactly what they're arguing with everything else we're discussing. That's exactly what they're arguing right now with Scotland data. So why wouldn't they go the same way with injecting you with something without your knowledge? Well, on this note, let's roll into the idea of implantables, which is the same concept, guys. 2004, British Medical Journal. We, go, we could go back further, mind you, but to not make this an incredibly long show... <clears throat> uh oh, somebody's saying Super U is not playing. I hope it is. But not to, not to go back too far on this. <clears throat> we could go back quite a ways, to be honest, in regard to the implantable technology and so on. <sighs> Damn it. Yeah, I apologize, guys. It looks like Super U is down. The whole chat's saying it's down. Please, every single one of you in the chat, please take a moment to report this. Because that's the only way the platform is going to get better. <clears throat> People say in the chats, buffering too. 
<clears throat> that's not a good sign, but please report it, guys. Anyway, going forward, we could go back farther than 2004, obviously. But starting in 2004, I found this to be really, really interesting. FDA approves implantable chip to access medical records. Huh. 2004. <clears throat> that doesn't seem to be conspiracy theory, is it? And it's approved by the FDA and everything. Well, the US FDA approved what's called the Very Chip, the Very Chip back in 2004, an implantable radio frequency identification device for patients, which would enable doctors to access their medical records. Sounds like a vaccine passport, doesn't it? The chip is the size of a grain of rice. And we're, we're going to get into how even then that's de deceptive. I guarantee this is the one they were trying to normalize then, and it was still a comically sized thing that they have promised. And I'll show you in a minute. It's way smaller than that. A similar chip has been used for about 15 years to do what? Trace and track lost livestock. That's not a joke. Just like the contact tracing devices and, and entire program. What do they use that for? To, tra tra to trace livestock. Prisoners. Hey, now they're just adapting it to you. No big deal. Think about that, guys. So, approved by the FDA to... to Keep track of your medical records inside your body. Size of a grain of rice. Used to track livestock. 2004. Okay, let's take a look at what else was happening right around the same time frame. Here's 2006. The Mu chip you've seen me discuss many times. The point being is this Mu chip in 2006 was the newest generation of generations that have been ongoing for years. So when they're even trying to sell you a rice-sized grain, a grain of rice-sized implantable, here is a Mu chip that does exponentially more than what they're saying this does that was already being used, except they don't want you to know that, at least not on the surface. So just like today when Jimmy Dore talks about the rice size chip that they want to, it's the breaking cutting edge thing they're hiding from you. It's not. They want you to talk about that. That's why they floated it out there. The real discussion is this kind of thing or the dust size things they've had since 2000 forward. Already the world's smallest RFID chip. Okay, so in 2004, they were saying, this is the smallest RFID. Not true. The SOI makes the next generation far thinner than a piece of paper while radically increasing productivity. The U-chip or Mu-chip has been in mass production since 2001. Okay, we're talking about an RFID chip that does everything they're discussing over here. So why would this one be pushed out by the FDA and discussed as the newest cutting edge technology? It's a question you should ask, right? Either way, the newest generation, oh, well, first of all, the, the one that's been mass produced since 2001, mind you, you know, the same time frame as September 11th and the beginning of the security state, the interesting same time frame as the discussion of self-spreading vaccines from Germany's law, Just interesting correlation in time, but it says that one since 2001 measures 0.4 millimeters on its side, so you could hide it comfortably under a grain of salt. That's the oldest version. It was well since 2001. So why would they argue this? I mean, you have to see how weird that is, right? But guess what, guys? <clears throat> in 2006, <clears throat> excuse me, the newest generation of Mu chip measures 0.15 millimeters on its side. I believe that's millimeter. So you could hide about a dozen of them under the same grain of salt. A dozen. That's what smart dust looks like. How thin is thin? The current generation is 60 microns thick. 
about three quarters as thick, three quarters, three fourths as thick of a piece of paper, which is typically about 80 microns thick. The new generation is only 7.5 microns thick. So a stack of 10 of the mu chips would be less thick than a piece of paper. Good God, think about that. This is 2006, guys. I know I've talked about this before, but think about what, what they could be doing now. Okay, so here is the Viri chip. This is September 2005 they're talking about this. The Viri chip is an injectable identification chip that could be inserted under the skin of a human to provide biometric verification. So don't miss the fact that it's verification biometric, despite the fact that they frame it as, when you read this, different. They don't get into the biometric verification. They more so get into safety measures. But when you when you read their discussion of it, this is your vaccine passport, guys. It holds an identification number, an electromagnetic coil for transmitting data, and a tuning capacitor. The chip, which uses an RFID technology, similar to the injectable ID chips used by animal shelters, pet tags that can be read by proprietary scanners. Okay, so this is a 2005. Here is an interesting part, even then, of this chip. There's even within this argument, which is, I believe, a couch-limited argument or discussion, even back in 2005. But here is what CBN.com is pointing out, even then, what the FDA won't tell you about the very chip, even the one they're trying to push then. The FDA approved the very chip implant for medical use in humans in October, but it says, but in a letter obtained by, and that's a, a, a huge victory for applied digital or these, uh, it's angel digital, something like that. It went out of business years later. I'll show you in a second. But in a letter obtained by CBN News from the FDA, it says the microchip is not completely safe. <laughs> and if, in fact, the letter lists a whole host of health risks associated with the device, including adverse tissue reaction, electrical hazards, MRI incompatibility, applied digital, and the FDA refused their request for an interview. Consumer privacy advocate Katherine Albright said there are millions of people that have read the press reports about all the positives of the technology, but really have no idea about its dangers. Where, when you are dealing with a radio frequency device by design, it's transmitting info using invisible radio waves at a distance. In this case, the distance is only a couple of inches, but that's the discussion of the reader they claim they're using. But remember, my point is, even the, these don't need that. And I'll show you that video I've played in the past. Even before, this is 2001 forward. So as they claim, oh, it needs to be four feet away with a scanner. That's just how they're framing this clunky thing that's already not the newest technology. That's my point. Limited hangout. But it says in this case, the distance only a couple of inches uh, says is a huge distance. is not a huge distance, but it means that anyone who can get within a couple of inches can essentially take your data. But anyone could do that from farther away if they have the ability to, which is what my point is. They already do. But it says manufacturers are putting chips in products like clothing and shoes for marketing, but they want to put this in your body. My point is, it's amazing that even then, <laughs> this is being hidden from people, but Digital Angel is the group we're talking about, who's making Verichip to design implantable microchip. This is 2007. So now we jump years forward, right? So this is 2004. FDA approves this, even though there's, it's clearly not safe. It's not, not a surprise. It's what they do anyway. But going forward a couple of years, Still way past, still ignoring the idea of the clear mu chip that's been there doing the same thing, de designed all the same people we're talking about. This is where they shift to. 
As I understand it, that same year they went out of business, or at least shifted into something else. Announced that they have established a joint committee to design and develop a working implantable glycose microchip. Right? They're trying to adapt this in all these different ways to determine glycose levels in the bodies of animals and humans, negating the need for the blood-drawn diabetic discussion. Right. So the point is, this was still going well into 2007. Now coming over here, this is in 2014. You've seen this before. Actually, I believe, see, that's what I need to do from now on. I believe I've got this already here. Let's see if I still got it saved. There it is. All right, we're at 648. Talking to Because the eye convention, like buttons, in fact, the whole. So this is a, this is, just to give you the backup here, this is MakerCon. And the, the, the discussion is the inevitability of smart dust. This was posted on 2014. He references all the way back to, I think, 2004. Now, take a listen to this. This is way, this is, while they're trying to sell you the idea of a, a rice-sized chip as the breaking new information, even as of today, this is where it really was all the way back then. I mean, I already showed you back to 2006 anyway, all the way back to 2001. But here's how it's, it's important to hear it from an expert like this. Desktop pirate computing paradigm. It's a hack. It's a great hack, but it's going to go away. He's talking about wearables. But the devices, the computing behind those interfaces aren't going to go away. They're going to just become invisible. We're still essentially the banging the rocks together stage for this sort of stuff. And you haven't really seen anything yet. So this is closer to the end of the vision. This is this powder-sized chip, um, and that's a salt crystal. So this is a small thing. It's something called the Mu chip from Hitachi. It's the smallest commercially available RFID system in the world. And can be pulse-powered by radio waves. It doesn't require a battery. You can literally scatter this stuff like dust or embed it into a sheet of paper. And you know what the really interesting thing about this technology is? This was commercially released 10 years ago. 10 years ago, right? Well, we know 2001 was the original, 2005, 6 is when they're discussing the newest one, which is, I mean, exponentially smaller. God only knows what they're doing today or where they've spread this around the world. If you have any understanding about what they've done before, as we've proven, not just us, but anybody, may even mainstream, caught them for things like Operation Sea Spray or whatever else, why we would not, I mean, again, even going back to the bioethics discussion about why they would do it without you knowing, because they decide it's for your best interest. We see this argument being made everywhere today. Why we wouldn't stand back and go, could they have already done this even before COVID-19? It's amazing we can't ask that question. So the inevitability of smart dust. So what is smart dust? Well, Smart dust, of course, isn't a new concept. It's the originated with DARPA back in the 90s. And it's general purpose computing, sensors, wireless network, networking, all bundled up into millimeter scale sensor modes. So if smart dust was being designed in the 90s, can we not recognize how clumsy and embarrassing and manipulative that rice-sized thing is? Now, I'm not trying to say that there's not differences between these, these materials and these technologies. But what I'm, what I'm showing in this and everything else I'm talking about is that the thing they're pointing to in that rice-sized device is exactly what these do. It's, it's an obvious limited hangout. Drifting in the air currents. Flex of computing. The interesting thing about this technology is... Smart dust, of course, isn't a new concept. It's the originated with DARPA back in the 90s. 
And it's general purpose computing, sensors, wireless network, networking, all bundled up into millimeter scale sensor modes, drifting in the air currents, flex of computing power settling on your skin, ingested, monitoring you inside and out. Yep. And if you don't think that's possible, this is the Michigan Micromote. It's a cubic millimeter in size. A cubic, one cubic millimeter, guys. That's smaller than the other one we just talked about. And uh, in deference to the speaker before, yes, it runs an ARM processor. Right. The, the point on this one is it runs on your own body's energy. That sounds very matrix, doesn't it? It's alarming. But the idea is it works on your body's, mo the motion of your body and just the general heat and energy of it. So the point is that we, they don't need, well, I'm going to get into another article in a second talking about the newest the battery size things that are micro and, and, and smart dust size. But before they got into that technology, or at least saying it's there, the idea was it ran on your body's energy and, and movement. And they, and they act like that's a limitation today. If they were doing this back in 2004, the idea here is that this has been already, this is being done. For all we know, this could be lining your body right now and you would not know and they could be utilizing that energy. Give, send, I mean, this is, and this may sound crazy to you, but guys, if you're watching this, if you can see this, if you can look at the documents, even though it does sound ridiculous and crazy, it's obvious that it's there. We need to ask whether or not this is being used. Nothing is stopping them from doing this right now. Um, it's a tiny computer and it features data pro uh, processing, data storage, wireless comms. And it's probably as close to the true smart dust vision from the early DARPA days as we've come so far. Right. They're designed to harvest energy from the environment around them and to communicate via mesh network. But and, and that's the important part, too, is that these things, in this conversation and everywhere else I've discussed this, it shows you that it's not some four-foot device that you need to be close to, but rather this can be picked up in far distant locations, whether using RFID, which can actually go farther than they're trying to make it out to be, but more than that. This is not what they're trying to make it out to be with the current situation today. Of course, the energy is the key problem with it. Can make the computing small, the energy is hard. Right. Anyone that's actually taken a laptop or their cell phone apart will know that the... the I think that's where we're going to leave it right there, but that's what gets into the next part of this, which I believe... Oh, I might just jump to that first since that was an interesting tie-in right there. Where was this? Here we go. I'm going to come back to it, but I just wanted to show this because we just talked about that. So what he's saying is the limitation is the power. Even though there is power that works off your body, the point is that we're still building, at least he says, towards something bigger. Oh, well, here we are. February. This is yesterday. The world's tiniest battery could power a new generation of wearable sensors. And guess what? That battery is the size of a grain of dust. Interesting how all this stuff's coming out and it's all the size of dust, right? Like, I don't know, smart dust. Well... This is already there. So they don't need some new limit. There's no limitations as far as I can tell, but we'll come back to this. Going back into the next part, I want you guys to hear. Now, by the way, this is all kind of in a general timeline. Like this was 2014. This conversation was 2007. All of these were 2006, right? So bringing this forward to 2016. You've seen this before. You've watched this on our show. Klaus Schwab explains the timetable for microchipping everybody by 2026. Now, you could call, you could frame it like that. The, you, you, I wouldn't imply that he's necessarily saying that this is what's going to happen, but simply arguing that this is going to be normalized by that time. But trust me, I'm, I'm right with this person. I think this is alarming. Now, this is, it, 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 this is the tweet that you can watch, but I'll give you the YouTube version as well. There's a lot of versions of this out there that they try to remove, but this is uh, in a different language, so I'll read the subtitles. Starts off by saying, Aujourd'hui, 
Today, at the end of this, we are talking about chips that can be implanted. And this is indeed what's being spoken. I've already checked this from the past. And this is January 10th, 2016, with Klaus Schwab. When will that be, he says? Certainly in the next 10 years. So he's saying in the next, by 2026, certainly the idea of implantable microchips in your body will be something that everyone's doing or that's normalized like, what we're, like for vaccines or anything else. Says, and at first we will implant them in our clothes, which he's right, that's already been happening. I mean, you could talk about smartwatches, phones, same kind of thing, but you can also talk about other implantables like heart monitors and different things that are sort of on the outside. And he says, and then we could imagine that we will implant them in our brains, in our skin. And in the end, maybe, there will be a direct communication between our brain and the digital world. What we see is a kind of fusion of the physical, digital, and biological world. Now, where have we heard that before? That's right, when he discusses the Fourth Industrial Revolution. Well, that should be very relevant, relevant to you, especially because that's what he says you're currently in. What the Fourth Industrial Revolution will lead to is a fusion of our physical, our digital, and our biological identities. The difference of this first uh, industrial revolution is it doesn't change what you are doing. It changes you. If you take a genetic editing, right. uh, just as an example, it's you who exactly. are changed. Yeah. And of yeah. course, this has a big impact on yeah. your identity. Yeah. It is important to use the COVID-19 crisis as a timely opportunity so people assume uh, we are just going back uh, to the good old world which we had um, and everything will be normal again in how we are used to normal in the old fashion. This is, uh, let's say, fiction. It will not happen. Um, the the uh, cut which we have now um, is much too strong uh, in order not to leave trace. Right, and you've seen that many times. So he's telling what he's discussing in this clip back in 2016 is the same thing he's telling you today. Except when he discussed that, he wasn't telling you it was going to be tomorrow. Right now, he's in this, and he's telling you what this is is the fourth industrial revolution. That's what he's saying. That's what they're all discussing. That's the Great Reset, the Build Back Better. That's all of it. Right. So how can we not connect the fact that before this, he was telling you when the fourth industrial revolution starts or is happening, that's when that's going to take place, when you will combine or fuse your physical, digital, and biological identities. That's when implantables will be a thing. He said that then. He's not saying that now. But what he is saying is that we're in the fourth industrial. You have to think. You have to realize that he's telling you you're in the time where he said before when these things would happen. Now, if you're sitting here reading this going, I don't see why that's a problem. How, just because I frame it as a bad thing, why? Maybe Klaus Schwab wants to help you. Maybe it's all about health. And if I, sure, fine. You can think like that. I'm not saying, I'm not telling you how to think about it. My point is, it's obviously happening that they're discussing that this is the step, that they're planning this is the step, that the World Economic Forum with their young global leaders is guiding the policy, is creating the justifications. 
And that's being dismissed as fake news on every main platform. So the fact that you think that it's okay it's happening, that makes you a conspiracy theorist because it's not supposed to be even happening. See the point? This is obvious. There is obvious coordination to this push. Even if you think it's a good thing. Now, I'm not even talking about whether it's good or bad right now. I'm talking about the fact that it's obviously coordinated and that people don't want this. And they're driving it in, driving it in under a guise that it's best for everybody. You know, like the bioethics discussion. Maybe it's already been done because they think it's for your best interest. Going forward. He says, we call someone, we don't even have the reflex to take a device. It's done naturally. The technique continues the body. He says, yes, you talk and you say, I want to be connected with anybody now. And first you have the personalized bots. And I saw that Mr. Zuckerberg predicted at the end of the year, he will have his robot. Jeez. <clears throat> says his personalized butler that is at his disposal like in downtown abbey we will have our personal robot butler our servant he said yes but there's a difference it's a servant that with artificial intelligence learns and not only your assistant for manual work but that can really be an intellectual partner of you mm. Or what that sounds like to me is you, an intellectual partner of you. He didn't say for you. He said of you, meaning might be you. Like it's a digital representation of you. We're talking about the blending of your digital and biological identity. That is what this is, guys. Now, going forward to 2018. Okay, so 2016, Klaus Schwab is saying distant into the future. That's what they want you to think, right? Way down the line. Nope, he's talking about right now and going forward. But jumping forward two years from when he was telling you that's your future, what says, guess what? The Atlantic, why you're probably getting a microchip implant someday. Microchip implants are going from tech geek novelty to genuine health tool, right? What's funny is in the beginning of COVID, didn't they all call us fake news for discussing this? Except they were moments ago telling you it's your future. Did they not know that? Are they too dumb to see their own reporting said that? No, they had marching orders. We're not supposed to talk about microchips yet. So we call it fake news. And it says you might be running out of good reasons to say no. (laughs) Jeez, that's a little alarming. Here, one point. But of course, the fear surrounding RFID implants has little to do with RFID itself and everything to do with implantation. That's not true. That's the same reason they pretend that all of us are not getting injected because we're afraid of needles. No, we're afraid of your disgusting, horrifying, totalitarian government agenda. That's what we're afraid of. American pets safely receive RFID implants without complication every day. Oh, so go ahead and get an implant like your pet. That's a good argument, right? Why don't you want to be tracked and monitored like your pet, you dumb conspiracy theorist? It says when a company called Verichip, oh, look at that. We're in 2018. They're pointing back to the Verichip that was, why? Developed its own healthcare-oriented microchip implants in the early aughts. It's research indicated that 90% of Americans were uncomfortable with technology. The company got FDA approval, but folded just three years later. Does that make sense to anybody? Get, you get FDA approval and then just folds? No, they were not, we were not ready. That was their first kick and we pushed back. They rolled, they aggressively pushed it away, even though it was FDA approved, in large part due to studies that suggested the potential link between 
cancer in lab animals. Isn't this interesting? This was already happening, guys. Here is 2018, March, right? So this is uh, September. This is going back to March just before that. And guess what they were already pushing? The exact same thing that they already tried to push for COVID-19. Doesn't that look familiar? The Profusa chip. Isn't that interesting? Here's what it says. Tech, tiny, flexible, biocompatible, implantable sensors that are smaller than a grain of rice have been successfully worn for four years now by human subjects reported by Profusa. You know what's interesting to me? How is it that Profusa can make something smaller than a grain of rice that does everything they say you need to do, yet when they start this, they sell you on the idea of a big rice grain thing that's the newest technology and all the quasi-independents reported as absolutely breaking news they don't want you to see. But wait a minute, here's 2018 and they already have one that they're telling you about that's smaller than a grain of rice. That's not even to consider the ones that 2001 that are ridiculously smaller than a grain of rice. They do all the same things. What's going on here? Isn't that strange? This was the next iteration of the one they want you to talk about. Isn't that funny? Well, let's jump forward to 2021. Talking about, we're talking about, uh, let's see, is that backwards or not? No, it's 19, never mind. So March, I was, I always wonder whether this is the inverse of the, you know, the UK, I think, and everyone else that does that. I'm not sure why the US, the US always wanted to do different than everybody else. And we want, we don't want to use the metric system. Anyway, the point being, this is in the beginning of 2021, DARPA is funding nanoparticles that permeate brain to read neural signals. Well, look at that 2021. So in the middle of this, they're pointing at technology that does what? uses nanoparticles to read your mind, essentially, or rather just allow brain-to-brain communication. That's not my opinion. That's what it is. That's what they say. So why would we not be concerned that there's already nanoparticles inside these injections or being sprayed in the air or anywhere else? Do I know that? No. But the fact that we're being told we're stupid or crazy or dangerous for even asking is so obvious, it makes me... I mean, I I could throw in any... It's everything about this has been obvious from long before COVID-19. Just like everything else. Think about fluoride or think about any other kind. WMDs. Remember, we were all uh, we were all Saddam apologists and fake news for saying that WMDs didn't exist. Now, guess what? They didn't. And guess what? We're still conspiracy, conspiracy theorists for saying it, even though it was proven and exploded in their face. How about Russiagate? How about any number of things where they go, you're dumb and crazy and you don't understand, and then it's just exactly like we think, and they just keep going with the narrative. This should be alarming that DARPA of anybody of all people is doing this, even though DARPA was was literally involved in the creation of the injections and the platform and everything else we're dealing with today. Remember Whitney and our conversation about this in the beginning, Monsef Salawi and all the crossover with the military, DARPA, all of it. This was completely immersed. Why we wouldn't ask this is beyond me. Here's what it says. Instead of getting invasive neural implants needling into your brain, doctors may someday, as always, right, way down the line, or maybe right now, be able to flood your head with millions of nanoparticles that can read your neural signals from inside and relay them to a nearby computer. Okay, absolutely that's possible today. We already have the smart dust from from decades ago. God knows what they're capable of today. We know that they've got plenty of ways that they could find this, like he said in the talk, ingesting it, breathing it in, landing on your skin, or maybe being injected into your body. These are valid questions. And this is, I mean, this is something we've been concerned about from the beginning of this. 
He's developed magnoelectric nanoparticles. Remember we talked about the electro, the ma- the electromagnetic discussions, the electromagnetic injections, that the, the, the scientific studies talking about that as a future discussion or the magnet conversation. Like what, this is all, these were all things that were valid. They're called MENPs that can travel through your bloodstream, permeate your brain and read individual neuron signals. It's a tool that could dr- drastically change the way scientists approach brain computer interface tech. Obviously that's where this is going. Right now we're just scratching the surface. Mapping out the entire brain's activity with these MENPs, he suggested in the release, might give medical researchers the tools and information they need to do what? Treat thorny neurological conditions like Parkinson's disease, Alzheimer's disease, depression. What are we seeing? An explosion of neurological problems. Maybe this is the opposite of what happened. Maybe this is causing those problems like prions disease and the researches and studies that are saying that. These injections possibly riddled with nanotechnology or 100% including them, which is lipid nanoparticles, are causing this. Let's 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 be clear. Nanotechnology doesn't automatically mean nanobots. It could just be nanoparticles that are sized. It could be anything. The point is that nanoparticles, whether bots or not, in their own studies from the NIH are being shown to cause cancer, to cause all kinds of problems just by being present in the body. I've shown you that many times. Now let's consider whether there's something more at it. Even without it, the reality is that the data has already been showing that these injections are leading to that. So we should be asking this question. And to a little surprise, here's the craziest part. The U.S. military is also interested. Shocking. This is probably where it began. DARPA, the Pentagon's research division, launched the Brainstorms Project to test the technology in hopes that it will allow soldiers injected with nanoparticles to communicate with military systems with just their thoughts. This is not fake news conspiracy theory. This is coming from Neoscope discussing military tech and DARPA that we've already told you about. Whitney Webb is the one that shared this with me. We'll probably talk about this tomorrow when we get our, we're going to have a discussion tomorrow. How is this not exactly what we're talking about everywhere else? Jumping forward to from this to this to 2021 in April 19th. Guess what, guys? Oh, look at that. The same thing. Now, now in a COVID context, new medical implant can detect COVID-19 in five minutes or less. Well, gee, that was quick. This thing that was totally not even related to COVID-19 in 2018 is now being sold to you as a brand new thing that's going to detect COVID. It says, but things could change with a new medical microchip developed by DARPA, a military lab unit working with the U.S. Department of Defense. Okay, so here's the point. We're floating this gigantic thing in front of you when we know that they're already talking about things that are dust sized that could do plenty of other things they're talking about, or the fact that the Mew chip has been there since 2001, also involving DARPA and plenty of other people, that it can do the same stuff. Why are we, we have to recognize that there's a manipulation happening here. But as it says, a military lab unit for Department of Defense designed to be implanted under the skin. The microchip can detect COVID in the bloodstream within minutes. The, microchips, the microchip itself is carrying a green tissue-like gel. When implanted, the microchip will be able to display chemical reactions in the body, which signals the user that COVID-19 may be a day away. Medical pre-crime. Now, when this came out, of course, you remember this, they said microchip, and they talked about it as a microchip. And then when the independent media said microchip, they came out with fact checks that said, that's not a microchip, you conspiracy theorist, and said it's not a microchip, it's a gel. That was not accidental. That was planned. My, in my opinion, quote, we have that information in three to five minutes, 
says Matt Hepburn from DARPA, which Whitney and I have already discussed. And with the implant, blood is continuously tested. Before you fire up some conspiracy theories, just know that these COVID-19 detecting chips won't be able to track movement or location. Why is that? Well, because we designed them not to. That's the part that that's really the argument because you conspiracy theorists, they won't do that. Can they? Of course they can. Their argument is we just didn't do that. You can trust us. Don't you love that? That's read it for yourself. The point is all of these RFID chips or the smart dust, which is obviously the reality of this can do that, have done that, are, are currently doing that. But because they said they just didn't do it, it's not happening. And of course, when the fact checks do it, what are they going to do? Hey, DARPA, did you do that? No, we didn't. Okay, you're wrong. Fact check says DARPA said didn't do it. You're wrong. That's that's what the real fact checkers do. Ask the authority what they do. But here is 2021. So bringing this into 2021, July 6th, implantable pharmacy on a chip. Now under fast track development. So during the biggest pandemic of a century, apparently they're all working on exactly what they don't want you to know about managing in the midst of it, apparently, even though it's not what was happening. A trio of universities are putting their heads together to engineer a wirelessly controlled bioelectric implant intended to help soldiers, of course, it's always soldiers, adapt to new time zones or drastic changes in their work schedules. By what? Releasing peptide-based therapies to harmonize their central and peripheral circadian clocks. Right, that's what we're telling you it's going to do, but recognize the idea of releasing peptide-based therapies. That could be whatever they want it to be. Of course, created by none other than DARPA. Known as the living pharmacy that involves the engineering of cells that will secrete biologics based on an optoelectric trigger and a communication signal from external wearable device or wherever else. The cells need to manufacture the desired biomolecules as prompted by an external optical cue. Down here, another key partner in the development of the N-Train device is BlackRock Neurotech. Here's the interesting part. I'm not sure actually, by the way, if that's connected to BlackRock. I wasn't able to find that. I I ran out of time. I want, I'm going to follow up on that and find out. But what does this sound eerily like? Well, exactly what they told you they were building toward, except they don't want you to recognize it's tied into what's already happening. Wall Street and biotechnology companies have been very excited about this idea. And what essentially it is, is trying to pack the cells in the body in order to make them into drug factories. Right, so you're turning your cells into drug factories while arguing that the injection is what's doing this. No, they're altering your body to produce what they want you to produce. They're changing you. That's what we said from the very beginning. That's why your immune system is being destroyed. So, that's what this is. They're talking about creating that, and they've already discussed this. This was before COVID-19, guys. Now when you talk about it, that's fake news because you're too on the nose. Okay, going forward to October 2021, during COVID, right? The world's smallest implantable chip might save your life one day. Wait a minute. Didn't we just discuss this as the breaking, cutting-edge technology? Didn't they discuss it right over here as a huge thing in 2018 as the newest thing to since sliced bread? So what? where'd this come from all of a sudden? Why do they want you to talk about it now? Maybe they don't. Maybe this is popular mechanics come jumping out. But I don't know. Isn't that strange? How can both things happen simultaneously? Obviously, this has always been there. The world's smallest implantable chip. It says it's only the size of a dust mite, but it could make a surgery a breeze. It says scientists at Columbia University have created the world's smallest microchip, which can be implanted in the body and may eventually be able to detect medical conditions such as strokes. Doesn't that sound exactly like what we're talking about? 
Well, let's recognize that Columbia University just break the mold because you know this has been happening since 2001 and before. Why aren't they telling you this? There's something strange here. We must see that by now. Now it says the chips, called moat, are the size of dust mites, measuring less than 0.1 cubic millimeter and can only be seen under a microscope. That's incredibly small. Moats operate as a single chip system, complete with their own electric circuit. They're implanted via hypodermic meat needle. And though the chips have only been tested in lab rats, the Columbia team hopes that one day they can assist in monitoring everything from glucose levels to oxygen saturation. Glucose levels. All of this ties together. The Vriri chip, this is the same program being repackaged and sold to you in a different way. Now, exponentially smaller. That's the point. Then we have what? The battery, possibly, that's going to be used to keep these things going. The limitation he pointed out back then in 2014, right? That the battery problem part was the problem. Well, here they are. The world's tiniest battery could power a new generation of wearable sensors. But yeah, way down in the future, though, because we're not, you know, they're selling you on the wearables elsewhere. They're selling you on the possibility to use it by selling you in every direction as if it's totally down in the future. But no, it's being built around you right now. The size of a grain of dust. Interesting that they're the same size, almost like they're made to work together, right? This is the future, guys. Not the future, actually, your reality currently that they're not telling you about. The micro battery is roughly the size of a grain of dust, one square millimeter across. Look at that. The team behind the new device says it could be eventually used way, way down the line in tiny chips for biosensors to the human body. They're not, they're, they keep framing this as in the future. This is currently now. This is what they're doing. A host, a new, a whole host of new application biosensors, devices that typically rely on harvesting energy via alternate means to overcome their size limitations. It's what they have now. Then, 2022, this was yesterday. Guess what? FDA just randomly broadens approval for Abbott's sensor implant to catch early cases of heart failure. Yeah, of course it's heart failure, right? Because they want you to think that other things are reason why people are having heart attacks and strokes and children collapsing on their sports fields. Nah, it's different. It's always there. You just didn't see it. But on top of that, guess what? It can also sense things other than heart failure. But they're going to sell you on what the problem they can see. We see heart problems, so we're coming out with this thing. But we'll quietly adapt it to be whatever we want it to be, which is what these things are doing. Then to step out of the implantable conversation or rather into the next generation or see, I shouldn't even frame it like that. To step into what they're currently building, which they're framing as the next generation way down the line future is the brain to machine interface. All of this is interconnected, but guess what just happened? 15 of 23 monkeys with Elon Musk's neural link brain chip died and experienced extreme suffering. Sounds pretty spot on to what we were just discussing, doesn't it? Pretty much every single monkey that had implants put in their brains suffered pretty debilitating health effects. Why is that acceptable to anybody? That's disgusting. These are living sentient beings that are being tortured to death, just like those puppies that are being eaten alive by Fauci's experiment. They don't care about these things. They're not, these are sociopaths if they think this is okay. But that's the future. I shouldn't argue them. Maybe they'll make it work. Who cares, though? The point is that this is what they're rushing into at the detriment of these monkeys, your life, the, your, the way you want your life to be. They're reimagining everything, which then leads into what they need to create, right? Because none of this is going to happen without the smart city infrastructure. And how do you start all of this? 
How do you get everybody comfortable with that? Well, obviously, vaccine passports are supposed to drive you into this, but digital identification. Because once you get in this regard and a digital ID, they can then use this to drive you into everything else. They can block you out of the world they're building until everything else becomes mandatory. Nope, you can't get in without your neural link. This is Disclosed TV saying Klaus Schwab's World Economic Forum says the COVID pandemic has led to a heightened focus on the power of medical data, specifically so-called vaccine passports. These passports by nature serve as a form of digital identity. Exactly. And as I said, gee, who could have predicted this connection? Oh, that's right. Half the independent media for years now, yet it will still be dismissed as conspiracy theory, even as it's proven correct, despite being the exact connection predicted by those deemed fake news. Which, by the way, I'll just go to this one next, is kind of ridiculous because here's somebody going, bet a lot of people didn't see this coming. Now, I don't know if he's being sarcastic, but the way he said that doesn't seem like it's sarcastic at all. Digital ID in Ontario. Now, what's great, if he actually thinks that, it's like, come on, guy, you mean except everybody who's actually paying attention? Eh, We've been screaming about this coming. And now here it is, not even in the context of COVID-19. Digital ID for Ontario. Where, we, where could you use this? Well, guess what? Use and access a vaccination records. Shocking. Opening a bank account. That's what this is all about, guys. You have to see that by now. Now, the next part is reclaim the net. Also pointing this out is yesterday. The digital ID system proposes monitoring online behavior, purchases, biometrics, and more. The World Economic Forum pushes this ID system. This is reclaim the net. This is legitimate. Not just because they say it, but because it is, and you can look this stuff up. A far-reaching digital ID system that will collect as much data as possible on individuals and then use this information to determine their level of access to various services. This is what they're telling you. Under this framework, the World Economic Forum proposes collecting data from many aspects of your everyday lives through their devices, telecommunication networks, and third-party services. And they will use this to dictate how you access the things around you. That's your future. Corey Morningstar breaking down a great thread here with some important information. Digital ID in Ontario, quote, one of the world's most digitally advanced jurisdictions. $20 billion opportunity based on data from the the various sources, including the DIACC, the Digital ID and Authentication Council of Canada. As Seek for Truth says, Doug Ford plans to remove Ontario's vaccine passport system only to replace it with a digital identity wallet. Guys, that's always the point. The transition into the next step by pretending you guys that we, I mean, I do believe we did push this back to a degree because they wouldn't need to roll it back if we didn't. They would just transition into something else, but they're already pushing this into the next step. Now, there's more information here I really recommend you check out. And if you haven't followed Corey Morningstar, I highly recommend you do. Here is Seek for Truth back in August, 2021, saying something that transitions us to the last point here today. The smart city will become our playground. Quote, therefore, the digital ID will represent the virtual umbilical cord that continuously links each individual to their public and social life. Fails digital ID. That's what they're telling you. Here's the link. You can check it for yourself. And the point is the smart city, right? That's what this is all about as well. They all interconnect. Your digital ID is a, is a connection to the smart city, which is a connection to 5G, connection to this internet of things. All of this comes together. So the final point, guys, is 5G. 
One of the one, obviously one of the most clear things that they don't want people talking about. Whether or not it interconnects with COVID nineteen, which I think at the very least, if anything, it does simply because of this direction and how they're trying to hide the rollout, which I've shown you from Trump's administration. Trump is one of the people that actively rolled out a massive five G implementation and did it quietly during COVID nineteen. One of my article, one of the, the video, one of the it's the most viewed video I've ever had. It went over a million views in a very short period of time, was discussing how that happened under COVID-19. Not that they were interconnected. And of course, even I think it was PolitiFact fact-checked it, that article, and said that I was conflating the two things. I wasn't. And that's what how stupid and bad they are. But nonetheless, that's how they got it rid, deleted. You can still find it on BitChute. Why do they why do they so quickly hide that from us? Because I think there's clear connection here. If only and I do think it's more than this, but if only the connection to the smart cities, the Internet of Things, and how COVID-19 is being used to drive you there. This was the discussion we had. Same article as the Omicron spread, but also the study that found COVID 5G correlation. I, this is why we were deleted off Twitter for the third time, even though we're still there, as you guys know. Here's the study itself. I highly recommend you read through this. We did. If you want to watch my breakdown of it, this show is here. and I, I, I don't know. If Star's already made a clip of that, I'm sure she will if she hasn't. The 5G part of this is super important. But read this for yourself, guys. This is a crazy study. 2021 September. Evidence for a connection between, literally between COVID-19 and exposure to 5G. And all it really does is break down how what you're seeing as they claim is COVID-19 problems and how that's very, very, very closely tied to what you would deal with if you were dealing with radiation from 5G. Now, why that was pulled from the internet and attacked is beyond me because they weren't claiming anything other than look at this correlation. That's what they're talking about. But apparently, you can't point out correlation unless you do it in this, what government says is okay today. That's isn't what I'm going to get into again today. I, I highly recommend you watch my video because I read this whole damn thing and it's unbelievably real how obvious this connection is. But putting that aside for a minute and just recognizing the rollout of 5G under the COVID-19 guise is already happened and has already happened. So what's the next step? Where is this leading to? Well, I want to point out a couple of really, really ominously strange things that I'm not going to say I can prove are connected to it, but that I think are indicative of this weird direction that we're going in that suggests that they don't know what they're affecting right now. Actually, before I play this, I'm going to play you a clip I played a few times that show you that they don't know this, that they admit in the hearing about 5G that they haven't done their studies about the dangers on your body. How much money has the industry committed to supporting additional independent research? And we're talking about research on the biological effects of this new technology. There are no industry back studies to my knowledge right now. So essentially, the answer to my question, how much money? Zero. Uh, I can only follow up with you, Senator. To my knowledge, there's no active studies being backed by industry today. Anybody else know of industry commitments to, to back research, fund it, support it, to ascertain scientifically the health effect? Well, I'm not aware of any. So there really is no research ongoing. We're kind of blind blind here so far as health and safety is concerned. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I, I, and I'm just, every time I watch that, I am just utterly baffled. 
How in the world can that happen? And that definitely happened. And then they just go forward, rolling it out. Trump rolls it out. Why? Because it's good for business. Who cares about what's dangerous for you? I highly recommend Derek Bros and his research on this topic. It's so important. His documentary is very obvious and shows you the very real risks that they know. There have been studies that show you the dangers. They just pretend that they didn't do them, so it's not real. Just like they talk about with COVID-19 vaccines. It's overwhelming, the dangers here. That's what, And that, again, you really need to read this study because not only does it get into the correlation with what you're dealing with COVID-19, but it very clearly outlines the obvious dangers of 5G. That's one of the reasons why they want, don't want you to read this. It's undeniable, and this was peer-reviewed. My point in this discussion is that they don't care that there's a danger here. This has already been rolled out. They're not even caring to research it themselves. And you think they're going to care about what happens in your injections? Now take a look at this. This is surveillance video showing a flock of birds in Mexico. Just out of nowhere, a gigantic flock of birds just dropping to the ground. Where it looks like, I would argue, maybe a third of them just never fly back up again. Now I'm not, you tell me what you think of this. But what comes to mind is some kind of energy disruption, personally. Check this out. Oh, wait. Is there volume? I guess not. Look at that. Wow. That is incredible. Now, some of them fly back up after a minute, which suggests maybe they're stunned. I mean, I, I mean, that's just crazy to me. Look at the one on the roof, like it can barely even fly. You know, it tried to fly. And look at that. These, these are real birds on the ground. Watch it one more time. Look, that is incredible. I've never seen something like that in my life. What, I mean, what could possibly do that? That many at the same time? There's not, I mean, you don't see it. The trees aren't moving. There's not strong wind, right? I mean, there's no, I just, even wind would make no sense whatsoever. Okay. So, and then you can clearly see the birds on the ground. Crazy. They're dead. Okay. So all I'm saying is that's very strange. And what we do know is that this has been rolled out in lots of places around the world. Here are a couple of interesting things that I think my, my brother shared with me. There's been a very strange example of helicopter crashes. All in very quick succession. And just on a quick research, as far as I can tell, helicopter crashes are not this common. But regardless, we've also seen the conversations of, you know, airline pilots that are saying, well, it's messing up my, my instruments. And then that got very quietly tucked away and they said, never mind, we're good. Okay, well, was it not disrupting your instruments? Obviously it was. We know that's possible. We also know about the blood clot conversation, everything else, but here we are. Uh, that, excuse me, that's, I guess, a crossover to COVID-19 and why they weren't flying with the injections, but we're focusing on the 5G possibility. So my point is, if that was possible and they were speaking up about the 5G rollout and why that was an, an issue for the, pilot, the, the flying of the planes, it's, an, it, it, it's a valid point for why it could be a problem for any type of flying instrument, right? Well, here, four people died. Military helicopter crash on Feb February 22nd. This was yesterday. Here is February 19th, Newport Beach Department's responding to a police helicopter crash. Here is February 19th, different location. They received a call after a helicopter crash in the ocean near 10th Street. Police in Miami uh, Beach responded to the scene along with several partner agencies. Here, 
is February 20th. Helicopter, Robinson, R44, crashed into the ocean near Miami. Oh, excuse me, that's the same one, Miami Beach. Here is one that you're really going to find interesting. Now, you're not going to see this anywhere else. This is a, an exclusive for The Last American Vagabond that I'm not going to, I can't, this was given to somebody I know personally in, in you know, without, they don't, if they get, they weren't supposed to give this away. Let's put it that way. This is a local news agency, not local for where I am, that was flying with their helicopter and a bird crashed in through this. And this was just, this was days ago. The same time frame we're talking about this stuff, right? Now check this out. I'll play the video for you. This is crazy. And again, like you're, as far as I could tell, this wasn't reported anywhere. They weren't even supposed to share this. What do you see inside? A dead bird. Not that that's necessarily connected to the dead birds from the other video, but it crashed through the window, which is pretty interesting to me. Now, it didn't crash, I understand it. They were able to land it. But isn't that crazy? Now, all of this could be coincidence, right? That's always possible. But it is quite a, kind of strange, isn't it? That all this is happening around the same kind of time frame that I it just it seems at a higher rate than usual. That ultimately that these the bird thing and the fact that it's happening and crashing into these planes and they're crashing or it just it's very strange to me. All I'm asking is that we question this stuff. That what we know is they haven't done their research. They don't know if this is safe. In fact, they know damn well that it's not safe, and they just don't care to look into it. And all of a sudden, this is getting rolled out around the concept of everything else and rushed out, in my opinion, along with the digital IDs, along with the Internet of Things, and the the Internet of Bodies, which is their own conversation, as along with the concept of the the great narrative and how they're trying to wrap our minds around this. There's so much going on right now that we don't understand. I want to talk about the space conversation of the day. Well, who knows what they're doing? The bottom line is that this stuff is not safe, and we know that. Why we would trust what they're doing with the injection or what has or has not gone into it is beyond me. The bottom line is the evidence is there for you to look at, and you should be coming to your own conclusions about it, because if anything is clear, is that they are more often than not willfully dishonest to about everything they're talking about, whether Ukraine, COVID-19, or anything else. And all we do is try to give you the best and most thorough amount of information for you to think for yourself. So thank you for being here as always and continuing to question these things and think for yourself. I see this as an obvious plan, an obvious agenda that's been laid out long before this. And we didn't even discuss the nanotechnology outline where they said in 20 years, we're going to alter human evolution in, tw in, in 20 years. That they, and that's pointing to exactly where we are right now. And that's called Schwab, World Economic Forum. It's a whole same thing. Then we have the nanotechnology discussion about the brain interface and all of this. It's impossible not to see that it's, the connection and whether, I mean, I genuinely ask whether this has already been done. I won't say that as a fact until I can prove it, but I'm considering that. I'm asking that question as we all should. Now, thank you for being here. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. And I have to say, um, when I mention our names, like this Merkel, um, even uh, Vladimir Putin and so on, they all have been young global leaders of the World Economic Forum. Mm -hmm. But um, what we are very proud of now is the young generation like uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, 
um, president of, of uh, Argentina and so on, that we penetrate the cabinets. So yesterday I was at a, at a reception for Prime Minister Trudeau and I know that half of this cabinet or even more half of, uh, half of this cabinet are for our actually young global leaders of the world economy right. form. That's true in Argentina as well. It's true in Argentina and uh, it's true in France now. Mm -hmm. I'm here with the president who is a young global leader. But And so who do we have as we walk, uh, Klaus, in, in, uh, in the different meetings? What type of uh, stakeholders do we have? Are we the constituencies? Stakeholders, we have, uh, if, if I look at our stakeholders, we have business, uh, of course, uh, as a very important audience, and we have politics, we have uh, uh, continuous uh, uh, partnerships with many governments around the world, and of course we have NGOs, uh, we have trade unions, we have all those different parts. Media, of course. Media, of course, and very important um, experts and scientists and academia, because if we are looking at the future, I think we should look at new solutions, and the new solutions will be very much driven by technological uh, developments. And we even have, uh, you even have religious leaders, right? We have religious leaders, we have social entrepreneurs, very important social entrepreneurs.
and the, the difficulty which we have is to create a consensus in a very empowered world. And that's what we stand for, for the process to integrate people and to create such a consensus. Thank you very much, Klaus. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.